Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Turned Out a Punk Footnotes. I am one of your hosts, Damien Abraham, and your other host, as always, is my friend and your friend too, Chris O'Toole. Chris, how are you doing, my friend? I'm <laughs> doing good, Dame. How are you? Good. Now it feels like we're back to normal. Yeah, it does. Last week was fun, though. Last I week was amazing. That. Absolutely. I last week the visit. Amazing. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, like, you know, and I think there's going to be lots of fun stuff in the future with those guys, too. But there's just something about, you know, the the uh, the gruesome twosome, the toxic <laughs> twins. Last you week, know? no, it was me in person. You're thinking. Oh, no, in person. Sorry, two, two weeks, weeks ago. Sorry. Yeah, yeah I'm in person. Yeah. You're right. Two in person. Yeah. I'm getting confused by everything I've, uh, you know, I've got I've got like uh, uh, a real uh, scattered moment happening where I'm getting the actual subject of this footnote texting me about uh, the episode as we were recording. So I'm sorry, Chris, it's throwing me off. Yeah, no, last week was amazing. In person yeah. was was uh, was awesome. Like, I'm glad I got to have you come over and for all the episodes to do it with, the Jamie Stewart episode. Yeah, true, ironically enough. The um, next time I think we do a uh, Dave accompaniment episode, maybe I'll do it in person again with you, try to coordinate that so we just have them as the call would be a lot easier, I think. I think that'd be great. Yeah, it'd be a lot of fun. It'd be a lot of fun to do that. Anytime you come over, Chris, like you oh, know, yeah, back in sure. the day when you when before you and me had to worry about reality, <laughs> we would like we'd hang out all the time. You come up to Toronto, we go to of hit course, some misses, yeah. we'd yep. go to get food and then, you know, just hang out. Yeah, for sure. No, agreed. I it's it's the only thing that changes is as adults and more so in your case than mine, you have a lot of responsibilities. Mine are about the same. <laughs> I want to do it like a youth crew band and have like those lyrics about how, like those days we used to hang <laughs> and buy records from Peach and Est. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Shout out, by the way. Great human. Great, great, great dude. I really, uh, God, I missed that place. Like, obviously, there's a lot of great record stores in Toronto right now. Uh, yeah. But, that was my spot. <laughs> he was a lovely human, and I miss him. I miss talking to him frequently, I will say. Yeah, I miss like just being able to go in a store and just hang out for, I don't know, three hours, four, four hours. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, those were the days. I think there in full blast, I probably spent more time just like flipping through the same records uh, over and over again, just because I'd gone through everything like a million times walking around <laughs> the store in the six hour hang. Yeah. We uh, all have those. Moments. We could do a whole, we could do a whole show. Just you and me reflecting on those moments, Chris. I think well, not, not to, um, discount anything you're saying. You're absolutely right. I just think when I think of the era of, uh, me coming up there and spending a day or two on your couch at a time, um, I think of hitting like all a lot of really random spots around the whole city. Yeah, that's true. More than more than singular spots. That's but true. yeah, it was um, those were the days, as they say. Yeah, we go out. We go out east. We hit all the East End stores. We go to Discovery, Ricks, Collectibles. Yeah. Um, you know, come over one day. We'll we'll do it again. <laughs> again. I. Uh, I'm always in flight, as anyone will tell you. I'm always around. It's just a matter of coordinating it. That's all. That's true. Today you were in Hamilton. You know, you're you're. Yeah, uh, I'm around. I'm around. You make your moves, buddy. You make your moves. I am. I am. I'm that guy. Yep. 
Well, as I was kind of saying uh, before, it is great to kind of be back in this situation where yeah. you're at yeah. your house, I'm at my house, we both have our computers in front of us, and you know we're just we're doing our we're we're doing our different things, but we're doing it together. Yeah, for sure. It's got more of a um, a structured feel, so to speak, this week. Back to that, yeah. Yeah, and we've just done this, you know, tons and tons of times now <laughs> at this point. Yeah, yeah. From all over the world, it feels like when we do it in person, it's an amazing, rare treat. But I wonder if you'd be sick of me if we did it in person all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't. I don't believe I would. I, I think it would be. I dream of a day when perhaps we will be able to have a third location of some kind. Dare I say, a studio of some kind. Yeah. Where you and I can can meet to do it in a, a sort of a a regular routine. Hoping that some kind of progression like that happens would be nice. Whether it does or not is a Like I don't mind if it doesn't, but. Um, but no, I definitely wouldn't be sick of you. I just think it'd be more convenient for us not to be, especially the hours we usually do it is the issue, I guess. That's true. More than, more than the locations. If we did get a studio, I'd have to get one of those old style scuba diver, uh, helmets <laughs> in which to consume my cannabis in. <laughs> just let it lower from the ceiling. <laughs> that would be funny. <laughs> Just in picturing that and thinking like how funny that would be, just watching someone with that device on their head. Well, that'll be like <laughs> a, that'll be just like an, another office in the turned out of punk hall of fame that we're talking about building, which will also <laughs> house the uh, turned out of punk wrestle punk meetups. <laughs> sure, <laughs> also talked about having. I got big dreams. I got big dreams. You do. You certainly do. Um, and uh, speaking of dreams, uh, this was a dream episode to get to do with Brody King. But before we do that, we've got a lot of stuff to get to. We've got our infamous mailbag making its return. And we also have a news item to get to. And, and, uh, I guess, I guess we, are you, were you a Cranberries fan, Chris? Uh, not really. Yeah. Like I, I didn't, I didn't feel either way. Like I remember yeah. it, of course, but like I, yeah, I wasn't different. But yeah, she passed. Uh, Dolores. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't necessarily. I was kind of in the same boat you are. Like I thought, "Zombie" yeah. was a pretty hard song. I got to admit, when it came out. <laughs> true. Yeah. It's an interesting way of framing it, but yeah, that's true. <laughs> it is a hard song. It is. I know. Yeah. That's why I laugh when you said it. But I thought that's. I laugh because it's funny because it's true. Um, but Dolores did pass away at a very young age, which is a. You know, a tragic thing, uh, politically, on a different side of some issues than me, and I don't necessarily mean in Ireland. I'm talking about issues of choice, but uh, but you know, once again, I certainly am sad for the loss of life. Uh, yeah, it's it's sad. the the thing that shocked me most was finding out her age, and then thinking, I remember when those songs were kind of breaking or whatever. Mm-hmm. And she's only she wasn't even a decade older than you and I. So thinking of like someone being in a band that blew up like that at what she must have been in her early twenties, I would think, because I I feel like I was a teenager when that was kind of blown up. Yeah, I think I think she would probably been in her twenties, but that makes sense, right? Like those guys, I guess. But I just thought, wow. Yeah, it it just seemed young to me. I thought, wow, because I would have thought she was at least I don't know, like fifteen to twenty years older than you and I. But it was I don't know. That's just was a random thought when I saw the articles coming up. I thought, wow, she's that is young. I didn't think she was that near our age, but yeah. Anyway. Yeah. And then there's also, of course, the picture that has been circulating 
on punk Twitter and punk Instagram of Dolores wearing the government issue make an effort shirt in a video. And I'm trying was it the linger video? I do. I don't I didn't see this image you know, and I don't remember. I'll look it up now. If no. you Google Dolores or Cranberry's government issue, it'll it'll come up. Okay. Uh, but I'm it's from a now. music video. Yeah, it would be like one of those, like one of their singles or whatever. Um Huh, I'm trying to find it now. No, it's not coming up. Fortunately, those keywords are just pulling up a lot of general, like... Her <laughs> <laughs> government like, issues? Yeah, like, oh, there it is. Yeah, I see it now. Wow. That is wild. Yeah. It's funny now, like, it's situations like this I find the most intriguing now. Not that I should be surprised, because... But, like, when you look back on the things you missed... Like, uh, you know, when I first was seeing this band or, like, in, in videos or, like, promo photos like this, like, I don't, I mean, I'm sure government issue was slightly over my head at that time, I would gather, mm-hmm. but even thinking, like, that still just looks like a punk shirt, like, I would have probably looked into that, <laughs> like, or should have, I don't know how I missed that at the time, that's funny, crazy, yeah, that's a wild picture, we should try and put that up somewhere. Yeah, I know, maybe we should get Tristan to put it on the Facebook yeah, that's uh, wild. I had not seen that, and all the things I'd seen coming up this week about the the obituary stuff, I'd never seen that. Wow. Oh yeah, I, didn't see yeah. I'm, I I thought you would have seen it, but yeah, it's been making the rounds on various forms of, uh, as I said, punk social media type things, and uh, yeah, you know, I I I do wonder if you know if she was a fan of that. I definitely eat my words on that and I owe her a massive apology but like that is a deep cut band for someone to be into at that point I think especially that yeah record. it's it's not like it's not possible that it was not a wardrobe sort of situation that as so many times you sort of hear about but the Vince Vaughn in Made with the American yeah or that exactly situation. or although he actually as we've discussed on this very podcast before he does speak about America's hardcore in the the commentary that in the movie. commentary track, but I'm I I know uh, well I I don't know, but I've heard, the wardrobe guy was or someone like someone on the crew, yeah, was in America's hardcore, yeah, but he was not unaware of it. I guess is what I should say, at least maybe after the fact, but yeah, um, but it's like I remember seeing a very infamous one where I believe it was on actually Much Music, <clears throat> ages ago, where um, Anthony Kiedis of the uh, often talked about on footnotes, Red Hot Chili Peppers, um, with the Daves anyway. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. He had been wearing uh, the image to, I can't remember which DOA record, it's not Hardcore 84, but it's the like the skull gun motif. Yeah, um, it's the, uh, is it the more all the time skull? He wears it also in the uh, Under the Bridge. Is it Under yeah. the Bridge? Yeah, it's something, song? but one of the interviewees... I don't ever from... want to feel <laughs> like <laughs> I did that day. Uh, one of the interviewees from Much Music, I can't remember who even it was, I don't even know if it was The Wedge or New Music or whatever, but someone interviewing him had asked him about that and on the in the context of them being a Canadian um, group, like an infamous, obviously, Canadian group, punk, no less, mm-hmm. of course. But um, And he was very unaware. Like, in the interview, he was, like, straight up didn't know anything. Like, he didn't even, like, think of the shirt as anything other than just, like, a T-shirt, by the way he answered it. Really? So that always struck, yeah, it struck me as really odd, because I would have thought he would have at least, especially with some, someone like Flea in the band. Or yeah, whatever. like, Flea was in fear. Well, exactly, yeah, but, you know, Kiedis wasn't, so who That's knows. True. But So it's always these scenarios that when they come up, I'm always like, what, did they know anything about this? Or 
And I just think also it's such a bizarre thing to just wear a T-shirt or something like you have no idea what it is, especially when you have a profile that large where you're like, what are you wearing around? Like you don't you don't think to inquire what it is that you have on. Do you wait? T-shirts were showing up in random ass places at that point because there's also that whole white lies controversy. That. Yeah, were they in that? Were there someone was wearing something in yeah, that? Yeah, and they won the lawsuit, but that's like a Sarah Pauli movie about neo Nazis. No, I know, I and, have it still recorded. Yeah, and they dressed the neo Nazis up in in TOA shirts. And I believe if you're, if I'm not mistaken, it was I think you that told me this, isn't it? Is it not Trunk playing the the fake white power band? Yeah, actually, now what? I don't know if I told you that, but I I think that rings a bell. Now that you're saying, yeah. That. The Canadian trunk, it was a, a very, like, whatever, footnote Canadian pop-punk band circa, what, mid-90s, early footnote. 90s? Footnote? Well, you, I mean, I hope you mean because they're very important to this podcast. <laughs> I'm I would talking say, to, like, I the broad, say, broad, broad say, listenership has no idea who I trunk is, I would say is, they like, would guarantee. be probably, like, the third most relevant Raw Energy band. <laughs> Fourth, maybe? Uh, again, I think you're already, you're you're helping my argument here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm There's seeing no another image. Taste. <laughs> Sorry, sidebar. I'm seeing multiple images of this government issue thing. So with uh, Dolores, by the way, back to that. So it looks like it was worn in a video and then a promo shot of some kind of the band. Anyway, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. But so, yeah. So maybe she was a deep head. I, I, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said anything earlier. I shouldn't have assumed anything. Maybe she was like a huge fan of this. Uh, it's like a sick shirt, you know, and it would have been a time when. Uh, I don't know. I I would have been, uh, you know, if I was a little bit older, like much like yourself, I would have been into checking this band out based on how cool they looked on that shirt. Well, and I remember the singles, and I even vaguely remember the video. And this one doesn't look like it's for the latter stuff. I think, unless I'm wrong, maybe this is like they put out. I again, I'm not huge on their career. I don't know how many records they did, but. This could have been even a record past the ones I was familiar with when they were blown up. I don't know. But yeah, yeah, they had. A, I think they had a they had a pretty good run. I remember them having like a comeback single at one point, even. Yeah, who knows? I'm curious to see this now. I'm going to try and do it like a YouTube sleuthing to figure out what it was for. Yeah. Uh, after we record, uh, I'm setting it to Tristan now to put it on the Facebook. So if you're listening to this, go there to the go. Facebook, uh, Facebook.com/slash Turned Out of Punk. Uh, and you can check out this image that we're so enraptured by right now. Yeah, it's it's like that's the one uh, I guess wonderful thing about the internet is nothing gets lost in many ways. So these little like whatever interesting tidbits can come up. Now we can pontificate about whether or not this was like you know an actually you know like a wardrobe issue thing or just like she was psyched on you know government issue or whatever old hardcore. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Well, rest in peace, Dolores. And, uh, yeah, that would have been, uh, that's definitely something that I think, uh, hopefully one day we get to the bottom of the government. (coughs) For sure. Sure. Uh, moving on to other news. Uh, I guess we've got to talk about what's making tons of internet headlines right now. It's been the subject of a couple memes. And that is that the bass player of the Ataris has been accused of I guess defrauding uh, people to the tune of 27 million or 29 million Chris um, in an article published by uh, NPR music <clears throat> excuse me that I'm seeing here published as of January 17th written by Andrew Flanagan 
titled Pop Punk Bassist Accused of 27 Million Fraud Schemes. So the title gives it away. But yeah, so so something here. Uh, former bassist is indicted by the in December by the U.S. Attorney's Office of the Southern District of Illinois, allegedly defrauding an astounding number of people, some 100,000 in every U.S. state uh, of 27 million over a period of seven years. And he is accused, along with a co-worker, um, scheduled to be arraigned in St. Louis uh, this coming Wednesday. And it doesn't really, it just kind of goes into more about all that. I don't really know much about it. But, um, yeah, so kind of wild news. I saw this and I sent it to you because I saw it from a meme. And originally the meme didn't really say who the band was, and by image I, I don't know what those guys look like. So I looked it up, and I was like, oh, wow, and then sent it to you, <laughs> to you immediately, as all things pop-punk tend to go to you as soon as I hear about them. <laughs> well, I think this one crosses a couple, uh, a couple uh, ticks a couple boxes on my checklist, because not only is this a, a punk pop-punk band involved in this story, but I also was on tour with this band one time. Uh, uh-huh. so I feel like, uh, yeah, this one, uh, you know, I, like I was on a big festival tour with a lot of bands, so didn't, didn't really hang out too often with him, but I totally remember his band. Like it wasn't the Ataris. I think the Ataris coincidentally were also on the, that same tour. I know we definitely were on an Australian tour with the Ataris as well at some point, but I, I don't know okay. if it was the same one, but his band was on it and he was, uh, very well known for having a lot of money and being like a guy in a band with some money and he was you know spending it and definitely generous with putting on parties but uh you know if these allegations do wind up being true uh now we know where those beers that those people in bands were drinking down were coming from yeah that's nuts i always assume like stories like this or at least when you hear tell of like you know through the grapevine about someone being like wealthy off you know some scheme i just always assume it's a like an urban legend or something like it's just some something either someone jealous has made up or just you know who knows and so it's kind of bizarre when these stories come to the fore and they're actually true although i'm not sure if anybody was aware i mean obviously you you would know based on what you're saying more than i if and you didn't know but like i don't know who would have known the the specifics of like the kind of work he was in or or whatever he was doing so i'm not sure how well known that would have been if at all yeah, no, I didn't. I, I once again, very little interaction with them on that tour. Yeah, the band was called Versus the World. Oh, that so okay. So this was a band he was in post the Ataris. Yeah, he quit the Ataris, and the Ataris kept going. Um, oh, okay. And then he went and did this sort of post Ataris band. Ah, uh, yeah, but it's big news. I mean, like I've read the headline. If you want to search it, it's there's plenty about it floating yeah, around up. again. I'm sure there'll be more in the future. It seems like it's like, um, I don't know, at least it's the biggest scandal world I've heard in a minute. <laughs> so that's something. Whether or not it comes to anything, who knows. But um, yeah, it's always strange when anything like news this big breaks and it has anything to do with like coming from the punk scene of any kind. You mm-hmm. know, it's It always makes me... Well, not that this this specific instance has anything to do with the punk scene inherently. Just the idea that something that I would think is such like you know in many ways like a fringe thing that no one cares about. That how could someone in that you know have just randomly made like world news? <laughs> you know, yet it happens. So who knows? 
Yeah, no, it's it's definitely like this is one of those stories that has gone, you know, almost I guess viral at this point. It's fair to say. Yeah, it and, seems. And uh, as as it has gone viral now, it's it's uh, you know once one of those moments where a certain sector of punk, yes, granted, a little more mainstream punk than some of the stuff we tend to talk about on this show, but uh, peeks his head to an even more mainstream world. Yeah, true. You know, they're going to probably be talking about this on CNN. And they have been talking about the Ataris on CNN probably since the Don Henley cover. <laughs> oh, I wasn't even aware they did one, but that, just that was our big hit, dude. Boys well, of Summer. Know. I don't know much about the Ataris, as you can tell. Chris, <laughs> I know their name. Come and on. I know. I know. I remember them being a band. Other than that, I don't know anything specific about them. I'm not gonna lie. I remember seeing them live too, and I think it was before they had the big hit because they definitely uh, were on the circuit before the big hit. Really nice band too. I uh, they were really nice on that tour, or the people I met that were still in that band. Not this dude. Yeah. Once again, very yeah. little interaction with this guy. <laughs> Wasn't yeah. drinking any of those beers. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Don't come looking in my belly for any of that twenty-seven million, <laughs> allegedly. Yes. Uh, I guess moving on from that, <clears throat> yeah, Chris. Now that we've been kind of uh, returned to our proper format and recording situation, we are returning to our much beloved mailbag. Uh, and I think we're going to be starting off slowly getting back into it because there's a lot of letters we could get to right away. Thank you, everyone that sent stuff in. All of them have been read, I promise you. And we're going to be hopefully getting to some. But uh, we're going to start slowly back into the mailbag because there's an email today that was incredibly pressing that we had to get to. But I guess before we get into that, Chris, how do they get emails to us here? At All the right. Show? The message, uh, sorry, the address, pardon me, to get to us here is turned out a punk footnotes at gmail.com and uh if you're familiar with the show then you kind of know the stuff that we tend to cover um but regardless i th- this is another thing i just thought about as you were saying that are we actually going to do a voting procedure for the um the proposed uh turn out a punk punk hall of fame idea in the future is that what you're proposing dave i think so yeah like i don't, like it wouldn't be just us picking who will be in the hall of fame yeah, yeah. Then it would be like just like that other dumb Hall of Fame. <laughs> like this one is going to be taking the listenership who already, let's, you know, say, have, a, you know, a bit of knowledge in this world above the average bear. And yeah. they will be uh, able to vote. And we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll kind of figure out. We're going to, as, you know, I think we agreed, we'll have to come up with like an inaugural class that we're just going to put in yeah. off the top. You know, yeah. and those are just like the heroes, you know, the GGs, the, uh, <laughs> the yeah. El Duches, like just like the, the role models, the ones we all look up to, the ones that are yeah. irrefutable <laughs> entrants. Yeah. The fringe characters who define punk. Yes, yeah. Absolutely. The fringe characters who define punk. <laughs> uh, no, but we will, yeah. you know, we'll figure out an inaugural class and then we're going to have votes because I think that's when it's going to get interesting when it's like, Ooh, like, do you put in raw power? Because, you know, you can make an amazing argument. Like, they toured internationally. They got that Italian hardcore sound out to, like, a whole world. Like, I just keep picking Italian bands. I guess there's something about Italian hardcore. <laughs> you do. You're, you're, you're very fixated, yeah. I just want an Italian hardcore Hall of Fame, to be honest with you, Chris. I don't give a fuck about <laughs> any of these other bands. 
but like, yeah, no, do you pick anti CMAX? Do you pick, you know, you go through, you get, you got to, you know, it's going to be some cool debates, cool, cool, yeah, fun I think, debates. I think rather than that, do, doing by email, I think we might have to try and figure out like a, um, some kind of a polling system through one of the major uh, internet uh, search engine people and uh, and then do it that way because it would be a lot more um, just easier to tally. That and then way. we can't rig it. <laughs> well, we could also just take the info and then just you know, <laughs> say true. whatever we want, really. But, well, I don't know. People are going to complain about transparency at that point. I don't know. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it figure out. out. So we can way. still rig it so uh, Fucked Up gets in and Keep <laughs> Up get in first ballot. <laughs> no thanks i'm good with that <laughs> <laughs> uh let's uh i guess uh dive into this email all right so the email is uh is a recent one it's from lane r and um it is titled <clears throat> excuse me sorry i've got a little bit of a, a throat tickle pardon me um footnote 150 goalie drummer personality quote-unquote disorder so it's got a great subject immediately um Hey guys, big fan of the show. Also, have never written in before, even though there were a few times I wanted to. The one, this one, really struck a chord with me and made me laugh. I'm a drummer and also a goalie in soccer. I'm going to say it's a pretty rare combination, and I've never met someone who is both. The funny thing is that I don't think anyone plans to be a goalie, and in most cases, the drummer. But we are usually just thrown into it. I started playing guitar as a preteen in my first band. Uh, the guys threw the drummer out, and I was confident enough on drums, and so I was thrown into that position. I ended up getting much better than them on guitar. Sorry, I, en- I ended up getting much better on them than I was at guitar, pardon me. Uh, and then same with the goalie. He goes on to mention that basically the position he was playing was forward, and then they needed a goalie. He got put in that same position. Um, but yeah, so that breaches, not breaches, it, it mentions a topic that we were talking about last week, Dame about this personality quirk and so this person verifies it but anyway he continues here and this is the the most pertinent part i guess to you and i is anyway love the show keep up the good work p.s damien and robbie brookside everton are terrible liverpool fc forever you'll never walk alone and he also says also chris i hope you watched that fantastic man city liverpool game last sunday which is a reference to liverpool uh beating my beloved team Quite handily. So that is the message. And uh, Damien, there you have it. Okay. Well, uh, first of all, thank you very much. Uh, I do think uh, that uh, Everton is the greatest football club in the history of football. And uh, you will walk alone right into relegation when Liverpool's relegated by... Oh God, I hate I hate the sport. Um, no, it's good. You did well on that. You, I almost had it. Carried it. Yeah, it's not it. accurate, but you you did you tried. You okay. did okay. Okay, uh, and uh, I guess uh, and yeah, no drummers and goalies. Uh, I don't know too much about goalies, but from the sounds of it, yeah, very similar types of personalities. But you know, it's like it's just a long suffering kind of personality. Yeah, I think as well we. Last week we um, we did. I feel at least I got to the bottom of the fact that you know there's something slightly off with both people who are both, and uh, in the most loving way I say that. 
But uh, so I have to just err on the side of the judgment being off by this person that they like Liverpool so much as well, being related to those two things. So that's my response. But anyway, thank you for writing. <laughs> yes, thank you for writing in. You jerk. But yeah, so I, I like that they keyed in on that and then added a little dig. It's uh, I like that, you know. It's nice. Yeah, well, you know what? Say it to Robbie Brookside's face. That's what I got to say to you, <laughs> you know? Say it to the True. man's face and know True. that he is a shooter. True. You're also that this uh, this gentleman does not realize um, that, uh, or sorry, I shouldn't assume gentleman. Pardon me. This this person writing doesn't realize that you have a, a rival of your own who's a Liverpool fan. So it, it strikes this particular chord with Damien. Yes. <laughs> yeah. In his and personal also, life. blue is a much cooler color than red. Hundred percent on that one. Yeah, agreed. So um, so we can be. You know, fairly confident in our choices, eh, Chris, you and me on our football club. Everton for life. Yeah. That's what you're saying, too? Everton for life? <laughs> no, I'm not with you there, but, <laughs> but I'm with you. I'm with you on blue over red. Yeah, 100%. Uh, <clears throat> but anyway, there you go. Good email. Thanks for writing. Appreciated it. I got a kick out of it. And uh, there you go. Um, someone also has written me a couple times about what uh, the name of the Christian band that sounds like Screeching Weasel is. And yep. I gotta get that comp somewhere. What? What? Like, <laughs> I'm trying to find where that comp is in my room. You like, have this comp? Okay. I have that compilation, but I just don't know where it is to check what the name of the band is. Uh, what is it called? I can look it up on the resource. That's what I was thinking. I'm trying to remember what it's called now. Okay, you know what? I'm putting a pause in. One sec, Chris. Gotta, gotta go do it, yeah. All go right. Your bit and then we'll... Oh, no. Sorry, Chris. I cut you off. No, go. Yep. Okay. All right. Went into the stacks, pulled it out. It's called What's Shaken, and I'm 90% sure the band is called Alter Boy, like Alter Boys. I haven't. Oh yeah, yeah. I've talked to you about this. Yeah, yeah. This I, I don't know that comp, but that band is well. The first LP is next level, amazing. They sound like Screeching Weasel, kind of right? Pop punky? Nah. Well, it may sound that band, but not some to band, me anyway. Some band but, on this uh, comp sounds like that. I can't remember. I gotta re-listen to this comp, but the comp's I'm called What's Shaking. It. What a who? What's a band on it? Like, what's the? I can't find Alter Boys. Alter Boys are on it. Okay, I'll look yeah. them up. Yeah, CIA, Undercover, Youth Choir, The Proclaimers. Not to be confused with the other Proclaimers. <laughs> it looks kind of like that Proclaimer. So, The Lifters, Malcolm in the Mirrors. It's like a straight-up Christian New Wave compilation. Yeah. There's a bunch of Alter Boys bands, eh? That's funny. Okay, so i got to try and find the right one here. Um, all right. But, yeah, the first Alter Boys LP is pretty next level. I've talked to you about it before. Yeah, this is like, um, I've got a couple Christian records, and they're all, like, pretty pretty killer, you know? They're working on, like, some, you know, other agendas, though. <laughs> like, Yeah, oh, man, I cannot find, I don't know why I can't find this. Boys. Anyway, I'm trying to find this comp. We'll, we'll try and find it. Looking up, but the, I don't believe the band you're thinking of is that. They don't. They are. A, uh, they're more. They're a power pop band. But they don't sound, at least on the first record, particularly like Screeching Weasel. This is a, a comp from 1982. <laughs> yeah. Came out on the uh, the uh, what's the label? Uh, the Ministry Resource Center Records. Oh, 1984. It came out. Um, that sounds amazing. I had to see that when I'm at your house next. Yeah, uh, I cool didn't realize one. you had a comp with that. 
We can go um, through my, my, I've got some, like, a whole section of, like, Christian and school records that are, I have some cool stuff in there. We should, yeah, we'll definitely go through it next time you're over. Yeah, because I have that. I don't know if I showed you that LP, because I feel like we've cro- we came across it somewhere. Yeah. Like, when we were digging one of these times we talk about, but that was a, a gem that was randomly hip to me by uh, an older pal that I never, um... I tracked down some years later. Man, I cannot find them on the resource. This is nuts. I can't believe how hard this is. Really? Yeah, I'm just trying to find, like, because I know what that LP looks like, but there's a bunch of, there's four or five, but I never seem to be hitting the right one here. No, that's not right. Yeah, I can't find this. Um, I'm trying to think of how to, what other way to look this up. What about looking up uh, through, What's looking up what's shaking on Discogs? Yeah, is it shake S H A K I N G full or is it like a weird no shake, shake in without the uh, but not the what's shaking various? I think I might have. Uh, there's found a lot it. of couple. There's a lot of what's shaking records. Yeah, but, yeah it is. Holy, <laughs> there's a reissue one. Is this it? Nope. <laughs> Eric Clapton. No. Okay. Um. Anyway, regardless, I don't believe you're thinking of the right band, is what I'm trying to tell you. Okay, well, it's uh, one of those bands on that comp that reminded me of Screeching Weasel. Granted, it has been a few years since I've listened to it. Uh, yeah. Here's a compilation. No, it's never been sold on the on the resource. Um, but, yeah, there it is. And then there's Alter Boys. Uh, yeah, this is the same Alter Boys. Man, they, went, they had a good run. Yeah, they have a bunch of records. I'm only familiar with that first one, though. Did it come um, back in the year 2000? Yeah, to a friend of mine who was kind of into that stuff had mentioned uh, that they are like um, one of these, like, you know, whatever, pioneering bands like that for that sort of genre or whatever. So they're highly regarded for, like, the deep head people like that. But the first record is out of this world, some of the songs on that. Um but yeah, granted, uh, a large, and when I say large grain of salt, I mean maybe the biggest you've ever, you know, ever had, uh, you have to take <laughs> when listening to it, because it's very, uh, very, the lyrics are pretty. <laughs> um, the Ministry Resource Center put out some uh, pretty fire records in their, you know, four-year run. They, had a, they oh, also I'm put sure. out the Undercover LP, which I have, which is fantastic. Here we go. Okay, finally found it. So the first... Oh, I was looking at e, E-R instead of A-R. Okay, that's what was messing me up. Alter, it's, yeah, instead of A-L-T-E-R. Yeah, it's like an alter, like a religious altar. Yeah, I, <clears throat> I messed that up. Uh, yeah, the self-title from 84, Ministry Resource Center, is next level. Um, I don't know. I, I've heard When You're a Rebel, the next record is also good, but I don't know it. Um, the comp trying to find it here now the rec- these records uh some of these records go for money what uh what are you talking about like the comp or are you talking about the well the comp there's none for sale and it's never been sold oh okay but uh with like you know like some of these records like i was looking at the undercover seven inch goes for like 31 dollars huh well hey yeah i can't find this comp either now so one needs to do a christian uh Punk bootleg. Kill by death comp. Kill yep. by death comp. I agree. Anybody out there that's a deep head on this, do it. I'm sure it'll be good. Um, call it killed by Pontius Pilate. 
<laughs> wow. That is uh, <laughs> slightly controversial, perhaps. That's what it says but, uh, in the Lord's Prayer. You know, I'm not making any critical judgment on Jewish people or anything. I know, I know. I'm just... I've he seen suffered this under Pontius now. Pilate, was died, crucified, and was buried. On the third day, he rose again <laughs> to judge the living and the dead. You know, I think that, that's what it says in the prayer, right? They're, they're wondering what they're listening to at this point. Yeah, well, I just like to say this really fucking Christian. This thing is has a great really... cover. <laughs> <laughs> the comp has an amazing cover. I need to hear this. It's from the same year as their first LP came out, which makes me think that. I don't think I know this song either. That bums me. I got to hear this. But uh, yeah, I love that there's a different proclaimers. That's pretty hilarious. Yeah. And the Omega Band CIA. That's a different CIA, obviously. Um, anyway, yeah, I don't know this, but I don't believe you're thinking of the correct band that sounds like Screeching Weasel, unless this song does. But first LP, kind of all over the place. It has like ska e moments on it. It has like. You know, power pop stuff. It's got you know your usual kind of almost new wave rock of the era sounding stuff, but none of it, I believe, sounds like Screeching Weasel personally. Okay, well then I'm going to say, get the LP, listen to it, <laughs> and if a song reminds you of Screeching Weasel, that was the song I was thinking of. And if a yeah. song doesn't remind well, you of Screeching Weasel, I might have been a little off. That's okay. Well, just spin this comp again and then figure out what one it is because yeah, it's going to be one gotta, of these. I got to spin. I got to spin it again. But I yeah. know this this person has been very uh, very adamant, looking for uh, you know what what the deal with the song was. Yeah, well, if it's that comp, I mean that's that's cool. I never heard of this. I got to check this out. It's a the fire styles comp. got a goodwill. Yeah, styles, oh nice. The styles listed on it are alternative rock, new wave, doo-wop, Brit pop, and punk. I know. That's like amazing that Britpop got its inspiration from American Christian music. <laughs> I have a feeling that's a little bit of a reach. But yeah, maybe this... a little bit of a reach. <laughs> yeah. uh, um, okay. I guess we should, uh, should we dive in? Oh, no, you got one more thing to get to, right? Uh, yes, yeah, sorry. Uh, there was also an email sent uh, a while back now, which we have not been ignoring. We've just been trying to get our bearings. And uh friend of the show and... Uh, always sender of really great things, Kel from Norway, uh, some time ago sent, uh, in relation to the Drew uh, podcast for the Urban Styles book, um, he sent uh, links to um, another free comp that has been made uh, in sort of the image of the New Breed comp, but it's called the Urban Style Tape Comp up on uh, wardancerecords.bandcamp.com. Wardance, of course, is the it, did he do that label or who did war dance freddie alva yeah it's for, he, i think he sent it in regards to the drew episode that's right but it, but was, it was for the freddie episode yeah exactly um but yeah freddie uh freddie of course did the new recompilation ran war dance records and now has put together a, a killer mixtape like an absolute stone cold classic of a mixtape yep it's got frontline on it as discussed in that episode and Shaka Malik solo, it's which I don't is that. Sorry, is is that new or is that is this new stuff? Like well, I would assume the frontline stuff is it, but I think some of it's new. I know there's like uh, I know his band that he talked about in that episode. Their song that was like cut from the new breed comp is on there. 
there's it says all tracks called from demos slash albums circa 81 to 2017 so it looks like it's all over the place but yeah, yeah all over the place but it's uh much like the book like a really cool thing that i think freddie does an amazing job at kind of capturing uh this this period you know and i think sonically too he kind of tells that story with this this you know mixtape i love books when they have music to go along with it yeah, agreed. But I just thought it was cool and it was fitting with recent episodes. And mm-hmm. I also, we're not, um, well, we're not intentionally missing anything, but um, it was one of the ones that kind of slipped by and I wanted to make sure we at least mentioned it for the listener uh, as well. So once again, wardancerecords.bandcamp.com and you'll see it right on there. And it's got a kind of cool motif similar to the actual look of the book. So you can't miss it. Yeah, no, definitely. Pick it up where uh, finer books are found and then listen to that mixtape. Yeah. I guess that leads us with to, I mean, that leads us to today's episode, Chris. Yep, for sure. Uh, let's dive on in. Uh, Brody King on today's episode, lead singer of God's Hate, also indie wrestling <laughs> superstar right now, tearing it up. Made his, I think he made his Evolve debut or Style Battle bit debut this weekend. Uh, wrestled at an MLW, but also, you know, someone who's been on tour with a lot of friends of the show, a lot of bands and stuff. So I was very happy to get a chance to sit down and talk to him about you know, a lot of stuff. A little bit of wrestling, Chris. Sorry about that. A little bit of wrestling. <laughs> you don't have to apologize. It's just funny because I don't think you're aware that you can't even help it anymore. No, I can't. No, it's just, it's now just. Uh, Completely integrated. I could definitely, you know, next week on the show with uh, Blake from Jawbreaker, no wrestling is harmed. No wrestling is harmed <laughs> no, at I'm... all. Don't worry. <laughs> what I mean to say is when you get someone who's even remotely uh, involved or interested, it, it always comes up. But that's okay. That's the way it's supposed to go. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, and I think because I'm just proving my point time and time again that <laughs> wrestling is the most punk rock physical form of activity, way more than skateboarding. <laughs> uh, okay says, says you sure <laughs> <laughs> said says me and i'm i continue to back that up time and time again uh you know <laughs> like right here i'm t- i'm proving it with this week's episode brody well, king not... <laughs> a singer in a hardcore band that's also a pro wrestler who also first mentioned skateboarding as being the most important part of his punk trajectory. Yeah, okay, yeah. At one point, skateboarding was important to punk rock, but now, now it's wrestling, Chris. Now it's wrestling. <laughs> okay, so I see it. So, so you do acknowledge skateboarding, but now, oh, definitely. now it's wrestling. Definitely. Wrestling is the new skateboarding is what you're saying. Uh, for, for punk, yes. <laughs> okay. Everything evolves. That. Everything evolves. Uh, I'm amused by that, but I'll accept that, sure. <laughs> All right, where do you want to go with this to start? Uh, I guess let's let's dive on in. Um, uh, yeah, it was like a, a great chance to kind of sit down and talk to him. There's a lot of stuff I would want to get to. I think first to start off, though... Uh, I've got a good first start. You, why don't you go? Why don't you go first, then? The big one. So... Uh, there's a lot of talk in this episode of Hatebreed, re- understandably. Yeah. Um, pretty, pretty pivotal group for our generation, certainly. Um, <clears throat> is, this is my theory now, having listened to this episode and kind of heard, I've heard a number of people say this over the years, not um, 
it's not as frequent as opinion as you hear some others, but um, Hatebreed Satisfaction, the first LP, um, is held in very high regard, understandably. Mm-hmm. But I feel like for a certain age gap, um, let's just say like millennial and younger, uh, that is the age of quarrel for people that age and younger. Mm-hmm. And age of quarrel is sort of like the older person's, you know, like cornerstone record or however you want to say that. Um, on average, it's not for everybody, of course. People have different tastes, yada yada. But um, anyway, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I would 100 percent agree. I think that is, <laughs> you know, that record was huge when it came out, and it's one of those records that only seemed to get bigger as yeah. the band would get bigger. Like Jamie ended up posting Headbangers Ball. You know, they they did massive tours. They were, you know, and still are you know, the biggest band to come out of hardcore. Yeah, I mean, I, I struggle to think of anybody bigger. Um, Maybe like a new but like I mean, a day like, to remember one of those new, younger bands. Uh, but I, I don't know, like Hatebreed, Hatebreed's had a pretty good run. Yeah, but I think like, gen, like I mean, genuinely when you think about it is, I guess the other, on the back of my sort of observation there, do you think there has been a record... Uh, bigger than Satisfaction, sort of as far as like the zeitgeist of like hardcore punk, however you want to say it, or whatever aggressive punk, you know, even verging on like metal, that is more pivotal, like like Age of Coral since Age of Coral what from Age of Coral till now has been more of like a highlight for the genre than Satisfaction, not that I think it's my favorite, I love the record but I don't think it's my favorite record, but I definitely think it's probably, I struggle to think, but I can't think of something that's had a bigger impact. Yeah, no, there's, it's, it's like a seismic shift record. Yeah. You know, like I mean, it was we, a record we've that... talked about that. Like there's ones that I think are seismic within, you know, the, the sort of like the broadly termed world of punk or like the, the more underground world of punk. Not that these records are particularly small, but like, like the mentals or the, American Nightmares or the, um, I'm trying to think, we discussed a bunch of them on the show, but like those records, of course, like when they came out were like bigger deals to like, you know, not everybody, but to the, to like shifting a style or a popularity forward or whatever you want to say. But I still think like all of those kind of records, even going so far as to say, so like a record that seems to be huge, um, like, like refuse, uh, Shape Punk to come. Mm-hmm. I still think Hape Reads satisfaction is uh, a bigger um it's a larger audience still you know what i would i yeah maybe i don't know that one's debatable because i think like for instance there's a wrestling event that's going on in liverpool and uh the flyer is a reference to the shape of punk to come like obviously it could be a reference to you know what? What is it? The shape of music to come i think it was what the it's the jazz record. yeah the jazz remember. record um, but I'm pretty sure they're referencing the Refuse thing on that. You yeah. Know? And I think it's one of those, like that Refuse record went to places that people that don't like hardcore were in. You know, like <coughs> if you didn't yeah. like hardcore, unless you were into like heavy metal, that Hatebreed yeah. record wasn't going to win you over. No, no, I agree with you there, but I still feel that the popularity of like the, the sort of the metal contingent that embraced like the satisfaction era hatebreed or hatebreed period actually but that record ushering it in 
I still think is is perhaps larger than the reach of that refuse. Not to say the refuse refuse was was a big shifting record for sure, but I, I think that Hatebreed still might, for me, as far as observation, I still think it kind of, I still think it pips it just um, popularity wise even. But you're right, it doesn't. It wouldn't convince someone who's not interested in like aggressive, super aggressive music. The people that tended to gravitate to the refused one that weren't into punk already didn't seem to be particularly interested in punk or metal or any of that, really. There was just something about that record for those people or whatever. But Hatebreed, I don't know, I think it reached... I don't know. It's, it's a tough debate. But this, this I was thinking about, though, uh, my main observation is that I feel it's the, the newer generation's Age of Quarrel, which I'm not saying is sacrilege, because for me it can never replace Age of Quarrel, of course. But... I can't think of a record since Age of Coral that's been as pivotal to like the genuine world of hardcore in a, in a really, um, you know, dare I say, even like kind of commercial way. Not that Age of Coral was like a huge commercial smash by any means, but it was such like an impactful thing um, that you everyone references it by and large. Anyway, I'm blathering. That was my first observation. Yeah, I agree. I, I definitely think. Uh... Um, I kind of think it's, uh, it's like, it's that, that's, you know, you're right. Like that's the record that, you know, every record, everyone that is in a hardcore band is trying to get to that level of impact with what you're putting out. Cause like, you know, like even if you're not a Hatebreed fan, like you can't take away from them that they kind of did it on their own terms. Yep. Agreed. And they never changed the sound, like never went with anything. They just kind of presented the music the way they wanted to present it, and people just got on board. Yeah. And, like, that's yeah. not to say they didn't have, you know, hard work involved, but, like, they, you know, they, they never had to compromise. They never compromised. And so, yeah, that's kind of like the, uh, that's where everyone want. Not everyone wants to be because it makes it seem like that's, you know, but I think, like, as someone who's making music, doing it, demanding people pay money for it so you're doing it as a commercial endeavor you know you want the most people to hear it possible and that's what hapri did yeah i agree i don't think they've ever for me either like they are the hapri are what they are like they've put out many many records i haven't been as interested in the latter ones as the earlier ones but at the same time i would never fault that like i don't think stylistically they've ever really um you know, they've never they've never put me off stylistically. I just you know I'm not as enthused because I've I'm so into the early stuff. I don't really need to focus on some of the latter. But that's just me being like kind of an elitist dick, I guess. But um, anyway, yeah, I just was like I just thought it was very funny because he talked very highly about Hatebreed, and he did mention Age of Coral too. Um, but I just thought, yeah, I think for a certain generation, I think that is the new. Like that's the new age of coral for young some younger people, and even obviously it's our generation directly to be fair. But I still think people that are of our our generation still hold the, at least I know myself, and I'm sure you like I still hold the age of corals higher than the, you know, than these records or than the whatever than uh, you know whatever. Like I still hold the victim and pains highest. I still hold that, but that I don't know if that's because I'm like the way I am or because that's my age. Mm-hmm. I can't figure it out. Mm-hmm. I think also like Age of Corals was a hard record to get. Like it's still not on streaming services. 
you know, like it's still... <laughs> Is it really? I didn't know that. Yeah, like okay. I tried to listen to it the other day, and I'm pretty sure it's still not on Spotify, which would make sense given, you know, yeah, like yeah. The, all, the, all the personalities involved. <laughs> yeah, know? the issues going on. And yeah. the label and everything like that. So I imagine, you know, there's some, uh, some hang-ups. So, you know, like if you didn't, you wouldn't have had access to that record. Like I know for me, it took a long time for me to finally hear Age of Quarrel. Like it, unless you get a for tape me, it was, someone giving it to you, like you know, or you could get that double CD for a while. Yeah, like I have the Another Planet double, but the, um, but I think I don't know if it was kind of like because at the time I was interested in metal, like I still like metal, of course, but I I was interested in metal, so I heard of them kind of through that avenue. So I remember hearing it fairly early on, like not right when it came out, but I knew of the Chromags, like I knew of that video, I knew of like. I knew of them, so it didn't, um, but I think that almost speaks to how much of a, uh, what's the word I want to say, how almost greater that impact of that record really is when you think of the fact that it's not easily accessible for Mm -hmm. a good amount of time, Mm -hmm. and it still has that massive staying power. It's almost like the idea that you can never convince the people of the age of like, the Cro-Mags members or, or frankly pretty much a seemingly almost anybody of that age that was like a pioneering person in any of those bands that like the Bad Brains weren't like next level out of this world during that first wave. You know what I mean? Like the people are just, you're never going to change their mind, you know, despite whatever happened after that, you know, that initial period. But um, yeah, I don't know. I just thought it was an interesting thing. Like I never thought about the idea of like not that you're ever going to replace an age of coral certainly but the idea that you know time changes to a degree where what is the next hallmark what is the next signifier that people who don't have the privilege of age to have experienced some of the um you know the 80s certainly or whatever you want to say to have been there for something like an age of coral or whatever i know the internet now makes it easy to kind of go back and kind of get into all the good stuff fairly easily but you still, I still think those like hate breed. When I think of a lot of people I've known see get into this kind of genre, it's certainly that those records have been like the gateway records more than like the Age of Coral. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. No, definitely. I think I think you're right. Like those are, uh, like those are the records now. Like those are the records of now. And like I think the the reality is, as you get older, you know, and you can see it happening a lot more in 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 rap music, I think, than you do see it in hardcore music, because in hardcore music, there's a little bit more of a nostalgia factor in yeah. it, but, like, you know, the idea that, like, the last generation's rap music isn't as valid as the rap music that's happening right now, and then how people that love the last generation of rap music, you know, are like, you know, are like, oh, this is just mumble rap that's happening now, too, and, like, you know, I guess it's, like, you know, obviously not as malicious in the debate between Chromags or Hatebreed, but, like, at a certain point, a tide, uh, you know, the page turns on everyone. And yeah. there will be, you know, and then for the next generation of kids, it's going to be something like the Code Orange record. You know, there'll be like a new hard record benchmark for them. Yeah, agreed. I still think, though, I, I struggle to think of a record that still made the impact of like the satisfaction level impact. Like, I, there's certainly bands that have gotten big and have gotten, you know, like, they're just, you know, popularity, at least in terms of, like, hardcore punk or whatever you want to say. But I struggle to think of a record that has 
still hit as hard. And that's my point of like, you have a record that comes out in 86, I do, uh, you know, arguably being demoed in what, 84, 83, mm-hmm. some. Mm-hmm. And then from that point to, I think Satisfaction comes out in 96 or 7, mm-hmm. maybe 95. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that gap, it's not an easy, you know, like, and again, there's there's records I hold in high regard from in between there, and there's records I hold in high regard from Hatebreed forward. And I, to me, like personally, I, I could never argue that Satisfaction isn't more or less a flawless record. But to me, like I would take an Integrity LP for myself as a higher high than I would that Hatebreed. It's not to say the Hatebreed is is not deserving, but that's more my sensibility. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's just, I just thought it was in, in keeping with our footnote nerdy analysis of things. It just came to me while I was listening to that interview. That's all. Well, prepare to get your footnote nerdy level taken to the next level. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, I was kind of thinking, what happens if you go the other way? What's okay. the most obscure record in hardcore, like lowest press run, I should say, record in <laughs> punk and hardcore that's had the most impact? Ooh. Like, what's that's the a most, like, you know, question. like, because you think about, like, Kids will have their say by SSD, or get it away, I guess, more than kids will have their say. That's like a massive record, but that record's like impossible to get. Like you get the power thing that Tang yeah, did, yeah. But to actually get that record was really fucking hard. Middle well, class, maybe the band that people claim started the genre of hardcore. Uh, well, for me, I just have to look at like what is for me. It might be something like, uh, as far as like. I like this topic. This is a tough one, and I think it, <laughs> I'm certainly not the, the most qualified person to answer. I'm going to say that right now. Not that anyone listens to the show is any, surprised by that statement, but um, I don't know. For me, when I think of bands that, and even speaking to uh, the gentleman we did uh, just over a year ago now who kind of expressed the same things, for me it's like if I think of bands that's profile seems to have raised exponentially – it's like something like Void, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know how much of that Faith Void was pressed. I think it was a good amount, though. Yeah, I think it was probably uh, a pretty good amount. But still, that's that's a band, though, that, you know, that band is a band that I think has grown exponentially. So I'm just trying to think of groups like that, like who is getting mined to death? Maybe that artist and, Seth, who's the massive influence that Laura Jane Grace talked about on Against Me. You got to okay. think about how popular against me is now, and how completely obscure to everyone Seth is. But that might be yeah, but... that might not be what I'm talking about. Like you know, because you, I would, you know, immediately I was thinking like the Bad Brains seven inch, but like I don't know if that was what the Bad Brains did that was so influential as much as like you know it was everything else the Bad Brains did plus that that has become yeah. so influential. Like yeah, I'm thinking I... of like like a one and done record that just like changed the landscape but it was like fairly obscure but you know like the the desperate bicycle seven inch people say that that record the day after john peel played it you know uh, 17 copies of that record sold but all 17 people went out and formed bands <laughs> yeah yeah i that's that's a really good question i wish there was like more of the um some of the people that are like friends of the show or yourself or even myself in some cases here to answer this debate in an open forum because I think it'd be a really good one. Like I think particularly you sitting down with some real deep head nerds, <laughs> you'd get a lot. You'd get a lot out of this. Uh, I don't know though. Yeah, like for me it would be. 
like the obvious ones, like you mentioned something SSD, like for me, like a void, but again, I still think there's a pretty good amount of that that was made. Yeah. For me, it would be like maybe those New York, some of that first wave New York stuff, like, you know, the antidotes or the, you know, those records that have gotten, you know, because I don't even know how much of the antidote there is. Is there only 500, I think? I think so. That's what people say. Like, once again, those are records where there could be. There could be two hundred. There could be five thousand of that record. Yeah. So it's like if if the you know if the numbers are true, like those are ripe for you know discussing in in that manner. But I can't. That one's tough too because you think like some of those bands because of the New York hardcore thing as a thing, it's sort of you know, I still think the Agnostic Fronts get you know get the top billing or the Pro mm-hmm. Mags or you mm-hmm. know those. So it's like I don't know. I think I'm a bit too. I'm the wrong person to ask because I like weird, obscure shit. <laughs> so, or like the more obscure stuff, I tend to gravitate to more than like the marquee records. Not to say that I couldn't argue that they're not better or worse, but um, that's a great question. It really is. My immediate answer is just void. But again, I st- I think the quantities on that are pretty high. But I still think like a group like Void has grown like. Like, again, just exponentially. I don't think, like, you know, if we're talking, I think, to people who are deep in the 90s, early 90s, even late 80s, you know, Void's a thing. I, I don't think to a lot of people. I got one for you. Thing. Empire. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. Because that but band. See, there's, yeah. You know, like, once again, there were probably, you know, a few thousand pressed. But, but post, what's that? Post-Gen X anyway, though, yeah, right? Yeah, post-Gen X, but that's the band that, yeah. like, you know, and when you hear this, like, you can really hear that's the foundation of that Discord kind of kind of totally summer yeah. sound and even when we talked to him he was straight up said like yeah that was a big yep. one for us and you think about how important that sound has become to you know all rock music period like i mean the dc sound so yeah that yeah. record might be one of those records that like you know that was obscure till really recently when it was repressed that's a good debate too like this is a good one to solicit again <laughs> From people I feel more qualified than myself, but yeah, the um, the siege I tape might also be one that I would put up there. Yeah, like any of these are all great, great examples. Like I, I couldn't argue with any of them. Like I, I, yeah, that's a good one too. I'm trying to think of uh, even like later examples, like '90s, like Infest. Yeah, because the Infest records were impossible. Yeah, like, to get. like something like it. Yeah, like something like an Infest, or even like Neanderthal, or uh, Infest more so, of no, course. But no uh, comment to um, you, right? Like that was like pretty yeah, hard to get that stuff. Out. Yeah, it's like, that's a great debate. Like it's funny you went the other way with that because like when I was listening to the interview, because it was such like the, a lot of the talk was about that kind of you know the post Marauder world, the post Master Killer world of, of like of aggressive music in hardcore. And so my train of thought, and then Hatebreed came up, and so that's kind of where I was dwelling. I never thought of the idea of, like, what's the most obscure, impactful record? Mm-hmm. Which arguably, you know, like, I think you nailed it pretty good, actually, with the Bad Brains. But I'm with you where I don't think that that first 7-inch, for me, is, like, the seminal representation of what the Bad Brains were. I think they yeah. were a live force. I think I would even argue that, like the, the full length things they did after were more not to say like pound for pound were better, but they, I don't know. They were that roar tape is, is next level. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the roar tape is next level. I like the single is pretty 
for oh, it's first amazing, single, it's but... pretty flawless. But yeah, like yeah. it's like they they had so many eras, and there's like a reason they're so important. Like if that single had just come out and that was it, like you know who knows? We, we <clears throat> yep. But I think they but like we're a siege. Like what is that band? But one grainy ass video clip. <laughs> online and you know the two songs on the Pusshead comp and then that tape I agree um, but I think all those kind of records see I don't know what I would rate higher on those like in terms of impact like popularity wise because <clears throat> even if you look at something like a Deep Wound or a Death Wish or um, I'm trying to think of records that I kind of keep in that same category um, oh, Neos. I would say the Neos, too. Neos, there's another, yeah. Because Neos and I was trying inf- to think, influence, yeah, like, no effects, and they influence <coughs> Dinosaur Jr., like, through Deep Wound. Yeah, and the record is unreal. Unreal. <laughs> and it's, like, also influences Black Mountain. Um, you know, as, <laughs> these are all episodes for listeners out there. You can go and yeah, find yeah. these yep. in the archives. Uh, yep. All these people talk about the Neos on their appearances. So, uh, Neos are definitely... I would say in contention too. I like this topic. This is a fun one. No, it's a good one. I like this. I think this is a great one to pitch for the deep head people when they come on. Yeah. Cause I think like, I think you'll really get some solid stuff with it. I would frankly, you know, no, I want to hear you and Cooch talk about this for three hours, frankly, well, already. I, <laughs> like, and you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to once again, go back to that Freddie Alva episode and say frontline also has to be in this conversation. Yeah, Frontline's a good one. You could even say demos. <laughs> like, you know, like. Well, that's what I'm, I'm, also, I'm also putting those demos in there. I'm just thinking, like, yeah, like. Breakdown bands, demo. But, like, Breakdown. yeah, because I guess Frontline. But I even say more that, like, Frontline, it's like, you know, the brand Nubian stuff and producing all these beats for people. Also, you have a member of the Chromags. Also, the influence they had on the Beastie Boys. Also, yeah. the influence they had just on, on hardcore bringing graffiti into it and making that, like. A part of the scene in a real way. Um, I don't know. Like they're they're right up there. These are all great suggestions. Yeah, I don't know. I love this topic because that's more my mindset. But yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't have a great answer because it's a difficult. <laughs> it's a difficult answer. I don't know. I just think of bands I see more now, or I hear people talking about more now than I did in the last twenty years. And like a band like Void is one. Um. Yeah, I don't know. It's tough. That's a good. It's a really good question. Yeah. Well, we will come back to this. I'm sure many, many times from now. I got another. I have another one too because this was obscure to a point, and this was a record I could not get. Even the uh, I eventually got the um, the bootleg of it, but something like um, uh, Project X. Yeah, definitely. You know, but it's like Project X. I don't know if it's had. No, you're right. Project X would definitely be in that conversation. Like, but Youth of the Day had had an impact by that point, and but yeah, they, true. But the hard line thing, like the being the harder, yeah, this is a good conversation. We could have this forever. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Anyway, um, that was a good topic. <laughs> okay, well, I guess moving on to another good topic, uh, I want to talk about Jordan Posner and Scott Vogel <laughs> and Hardcore's Greatest Friendship. I don't know. Either of them personally. You've been, you know, uh, Jordan a little bit. You've been around Jordan. I've been around him, but I, I don't, I, I don't feel qualified to say that I know Jordan. Okay. Um, but 
Uh, I think how I do know both people, I, I think they're lovely human beings. Um, but yeah, like I don't know anything about their, their friendship personally, though. I think it's great. Jordan's a terror. I'll say that much. It's like the odd couple. You yeah. know, like they really do kind of like bicker and squabble. I thought you said it was Scott, wasn't it? It was Scott and who? Was it Jordan? I thought it was someone else. Scott and Jordan. A... Oh, it was. Okay. I thought it was you in the interview. You were talking about someone else. No, no. Someone. Vogel and Jordan. Okay. Like they're like the roommates on tour. Oh, like okay. They, and they, so it's like the odd couple. Like they don't get along. They, they squabble. They bicker a little bit. <laughs> but yet they're like the roommates. Like, you know, like yeah. it was really that bad. Like get another fucking roommate. <laughs> so, but, so you clearly tell that neither one of these guys really wants to not travel with the other one like it's like this I don't know just like this great friendship like that should be a podcast <laughs> well you mentioned that in the interview yeah cool. I don't have any um, I don't have any stories to share this is more your territory but, but yeah. uh, we but did I Australia that... with them on that same tour where we were on the tour of the guy from the Ataris uh the, the that, former yeah. bass player, yeah. and uh, yeah, they were. It was. It's amazing talking to someone. You know, that's the thing when you're on the road with a band, and you know this definitely. Yeah. Is you there's certain bands you come across time and time again, and you begin to understand how that band works, maybe in the way that the band itself doesn't understand how it works, because yeah. you're getting a, a view of it from the outside. So I can only imagine what kind of diagnosis people would give fucked up. <laughs> that's the first thing that came to mind but yeah the, uh, but in in the sense of though that i feel it is that's a very true statement because i mean this is a pretty cliche thing to say but like the chemistry of a band is a very unique thing mm -hmm. and i've been fortunate enough to witness like the inner sanctum of most uh of my friends like endeavors musically so seen a lot of different like makeups of groups like you know people who are led by more or less one individual or you know like five conflicting pulling personalities or two or so it is a funny thing and i don't um your group is a very unique one i will say yeah, we're, we're, from my we're, experience. We're, we're a bunch of weird cats <laughs> but i think that's also um when i look at what you what made your band or makes your band very special i think that's part of it and i think that's what you know sometimes that's what that you know it channels the right energy i don't know what how to say it like it just so it makes it work yeah i think I that was, that's the alchemy right like and that's why yeah. you can have bands that should stay together forever but just break up after one tour and then you have bands yeah. that should break up because everyone would be happier that way that find <laughs> yeah. a way to be together you know, forever. Yes, but at the same time as well, like, in theory, they should break up because it's maybe a more volatile situation, but what they create is such, like, uh, you know, is a, is a bonus for, for the people in the world. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so that, you know, unfortunately, it keeps them in that <laughs> that sort of strife kind of situation. Mm -hmm. no, uh, definitely. Not and referencing the band. Well, and also, like, yeah, like, it's it's, you know, like, you... You kind of need those like weird conflicts to make it it still work. Um, I yeah, 
Otherwise, you wind up with like a really weird band where everyone's like friends with each other, and it's like <laughs> oh, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing either. Well, no, then then you're like you should be on that what shaking comp, Chris. You should be on tour with the Alter Boys and the Proclaimers, the other Proclaimers. I think what it is is uh... <laughs> no, I'm not gonna. We're not gonna. We're good. I, I'm not gonna go into this one. But it, it's funny that you speak of that. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's a stranger, but I don't know. Again, I don't know a lot about Jordan and Scott's uh, relationship, but I do think they're both uh, what I consider to be like lifers uh, in a very good way. And I think that the fact that they're both in a band together, I think it makes complete sense. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I agree. They definitely are like, they need to be together. Speaking of, uh, I guess someone that you probably know, actually, I'm, I'm sure you know far better than I do that came up on this interview. That is definitely someone that knows Scott Vogel very well. And that is Andy Williams of the band. Every time I die, you tour with them, I, right? I have, you know, I don't know him either very well though. Um, I've met him. Yeah. A bunch of times. And he was a very, very nice guy. Yeah, I don't think I've met him since like the nineties. So that makes you, you know, him a little bit better than I do. <laughs> no, he's, he's, um, I have funny, uh, yeah, a funny anecdote, not relating to him directly relating to someone else that we know. Um, but that is a very endearing story that I like to tell for people that are friends of this person. Anyway, it's a little inside baseball that's not I shouldn't even discuss. But um, <laughs> but anyway, Andy's Andy's a very yeah very very nice nice guy from my experience. He knows a lot more of my friends than myself. But uh, yeah, he is um, he was very much like the protector of the tours I was on <laughs> yeah. uh, in many ways. Um, but yeah, um, I don't know him though a lot or really at all personally on like a real level that I could say, but yeah, like super, super good people, that band. And I have toured with them uh, pretty extensively, but never had any real like moments with myself. Cause I was often too busy, uh, <laughs> uh, just getting bombarded with, uh, selling things to people <laughs> to have any fun. <laughs> and you know, like it's one of those weird things when you, you know, when you meet someone, and, you know, depending on the way you meet someone, that's like the way you kind of contextualize them. Yeah. So, you know, even though he's been in a massively popular band for all these years, yeah, and that's, you know, pretty much his identity to a huge percentage of the population that would know him. To me, he's he's always going to be the super hard mosher that <laughs> traveled with Buried yeah. Alive. Like, yeah, <laughs> that was just like, like, you know, brutally hard in the pit. When he was modding, very much, and I remember that. Yeah, I remember seeing it at shows. Uh, not a lot because Buffalo is not my stomping ground by any means. But I've been to enough things in Buffalo to remember him. Yeah, and he would come uh, up here. Like they would come up all the time. And I yeah, really, he would. But I I remember Buffalo shows though. Like like seeing him and thinking like, who is this guy that's very scary? Yeah. And uh, so it's funny years later when he's in a band and touring with friends of mine, and it's. Um, the context of it is funny because as far as our, you know, from what little I know about somebody, but as far as like, you know, these weren't quote unquote like hardcore band tours is the easiest way I could say it or punk band tours. No disrespect to any of the people in any of the bands, like, but it just wasn't that kind of stuff. So when you meet people who are in that world a bit or have like, you know, sort of a, a a grasp of it certainly it's always like uh you want to like in your case of like whenever you encounter anybody 
that you know has any kind of thing with punk, you're you're on them about yeah. it. Yeah. Could be in any kind of you know whatever walk of life. So in like the the band context, it was like that. So when he was on the road with, uh, when, when every time I die, we're on the road with with my friends, I that I badly wanted to talk to him about like you know like the things that I knew we would get along about, but it just never really happened. But uh, but yeah, very much I wanted to be like man, I wanted like he was the only other that I'm aware. I don't know, maybe the other some of the other band members were, but I believe at least at the time he was the only other sober guy. Mm-hmm. And the only other, like, you know, again, like, I knew, I saw him at shows I was at, so there was bands I knew he dug that I dug. It was just that funny thing, but we never had that shared moment, sadly. Maybe it'll come eventually, but um, but we have a good number of friends in common, which is funny. And It'll happen, I, Chris, at the Turned Out of Punk Presents the Wrestle Punk uh, <laughs> meetup. It may. If anything will, I'll give you that. Yeah, you're probably right. It would happen there if <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. But yeah, so I don't have any stories to offer on that. But related, something I wanted to mention that get, that uh, Brody mentioned in the podcast, he was talking about, cause I can't remember, what, did he say he was from Bakersfield? Or is one of those Just outside right? of Bakersfield, yeah. Just outside, one, yeah. One of those so, desert town kind of things. Uh, I was touring again with with friends in a um, working for friends at a band touring then and I we toured we a lot. on fire. Well, yeah, whatever. I don't. It's, it's yeah. not a name yes. drop. Don't worry, Chris. It's part of the history. No. Don't worry. I'm, I'm not. I would never call you on a name <laughs> drop in that situation. No, but I know point, I'm guilty I, of them all the time, though. And <laughs> either way, it's 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 you know it's relevant, but it's not relevant to what I'm about to say in theory. But. Um, but anyway, we there, we toured the West Coast a lot in the years he's discussing. And the one thing that you were asking about and kind of getting the, the picture that he was painting and you seem sort of like struck by it was the um, the idea that Avenged Sevenfold pre their ascendance into like a whatever kind of band you would call them now, like or whatever they were or became. Um, yeah, in the years before they blew up, because we uh, did a tour with them just as that was happening. And they at that time were the... Um, I can't remember how he was referencing it, but you guys were talking like they were, yeah, they were the band that was bringing out the the contemporary hardcore type of people. Not in the, not when I discussed this on a West Coast tip of like a, like a knife fight or something, <laughs> yeah. like the band knife fight, but like you know whatever the more popular uh, contemporary version of that is that isn't trying to mine you know like classic U.S. hardcore, um, and so. Yeah, I the early shows when we were on the West Coast before that record really popped and they became whatever. Um, they yeah they were very much that group for that region. Like when we were playing those shows, like we would show up to them, we're like, "What's going on here?" And it would just be like insane. So I, for that, do for they them. have hard parts? Like, am I missing? Like, a, uh, do they have like a hard record and then they kind of went more Guns N' Roses? Again, like I don't know the records that well but i know like when seeing them in that era they definitely had like those like mosh call you know like chuggy parts and the and the the bulk of their songs pre whatever that big record is i can't remember uh what it's called it's got like a bat on the cover or something like it's black but um yeah the the record before whatever was more of your um you're sort of to- like like put it to you this way another thing that gets brought up in your interview is that band throwdown yeah and and that was like they weren't exactly like a band like Throwdown, but they were more like that than they whatever they became. You know what I mean? So it had that kind of whatever that element to it. So yeah, the the shows 
were nuts and they were that kind of crowd that was coming out and just going ape and and like i wasn't i didn't know who they were yeah. So seeing it, I was just kind of taken aback, and that very much is true. So when he was talking about like that band being that <coughs> pivotal and that that sort of aggressive group that was for like you know I don't know one of the stepping stone groups for people of his whatever generation or region, yeah, I that's how I saw it at the time. But again, like shortly thereafter on the tour we were on with them, they got they started getting really you know like popular. So it was like a became a bit of a different animal. But that early. Those early West Coast uh, little run with them was, yeah, very much what he was discussing. Anyway, I just wanted to verify that, that I actually lived through a bit of that, what he was talking about. Such a weird <laughs> period for hardcore. Totally. You know? Like, it was definitely, yep. like, you know, things, things, you know, like, a lot of times you look back and you're like, uh, things, things are not as good as now as they were back then. Things are kind of better now than they were during that period. Yeah, it, I think it just depends on, you can highlight any one thing and, and take either example. You know, like, I can look back then and say, like, I bummed I never got to see, like, Knife Fight. <coughs> oh, no, that's not even true. I did get to see Knife yeah. Fight in the first seven-inch year. But I never got to see Knife Fight in L.A. But, like, you know. When but, you guys were playing with them. Yeah, but that's you the thing. I, mean? I wish I did. You know, Knife Fight never got the reception. They probably did at some shows. But, like, the, the reception they received in my mind was better than any of the live receptions I ever saw them receive. Yeah, I, I played you know with them saying? again later uh, in 2012, and they started, again, by no means were they getting receptions like what we're discussing, like the early 2000s, like whatever you want to call it. But mm-hmm. um, I remember playing with them, and they were getting finally, like they were like the mainstay group uh, like whatever the LA group or whatever you want to say it, that was actually getting, you know, they were getting like a good number of people that seemed to be going ape for them. But I don't, um, I never got to see them on their home turf, like on that first, you know, that first run. So I never, I don't, you played with them, but I don't, uh, but that's what I mean. Like I highlight that and I go, well, that, you know, to me, that was better. But than, than a lot of what I see now. But, and I'm not trying to be a dick about it. I just, that was more inspiring to me. However, um, yeah, there's, I mean, I, there's a lot of great records that came out last year that I like more than, you know, probably the vast majority of what was coming out in the early two thousands. Yeah. Know, there, was, so. there was like a weird kind of like, you know, there's obviously some cool stuff coming out in this period, but like, you know, now there's, it seems like there's a consistent, like no matter what you're into now, there's something for you. At any given yeah, time. that's true. Yeah. Um, but definitely. Definitely, uh, I gotta go back and check out some hard mosh Avenge Sevenfold. Yeah, I don't know what I mean. Like again, I don't. <laughs> I'm no expert. I just remember like seeing them in that era when I didn't know who they were and wasn't aware of like that. You know, and then I you know quickly realized okay, this is a band because I think like uh, might as well look it up now in the resource. But um, I think Nitro put out that big record, right? I think. Nitro, they were on Hopeless before that, so maybe they... Or maybe it was Hopeless. Yeah, you're right. Okay, so this will tell you. this. This are, Okay, so the big record that... So this would have been 2003, I'm talking <coughs> about. So 2002 and 2003, this is the years I'm, I'm talking about. The first thing they did, or maybe not the first thing, but, ba- well, either of the first things, both came out on Good Life, which definitely oh, that has... Euro- the European hardcore label? I don't know if they're European, but whatever, that sound... Uh, 
is it European? I don't think it. Oh, it is. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Wow. Never knew that. Um. Anyway, that seemed to be the stuff that they were kind of putting out in that era. Was that kind of mm-hmm. like chuggy mosh call, whatever you want to say. I, I don't know if their their whole catalog certainly not, but like, um. But yeah, so that that'll give you an idea, and that would have been you know what he's talking about. And so then that record that they were then touring on that I was on the tour of was the Hopeless put out. And I think, I don't know, did that, is that the one or did they do one after that sounded like, no, no, it was that one. Yeah, so that was the one that that they were starting to get, uh, that was more like a crossover, like those guys from what I remember were really into like, you know, basically Misfits and Metallica. So it was like this bizarre, you know, like they wanted to, to have that kind of big feel. Yeah. but still be slightly aggressive. And then I think it became more, the record after that became even more of like a, a whatever, like a Guns N' Roses sort of thing or whatever you want to say. Um, but yeah, um, but early on they were very much the sort of like what, you know, what AFI was to AFI pre them breaking as a band or something. You know what I mean? Like that kind of more aggressive, not not like early AFI by any means, like much more uh, metal tinge than early AFI. But you know what I mean? Like the difference of band is what I'm trying to say, mm-hmm. like almost like a stylistic shift. But anyway, that was from what I remember of those years. However, I'm sure West Coast folks that might write in, or even our, you know, your pals or whatever, um, could probably give us a better picture even than I'm describing. But in those years, I definitely remember what he was talking about being the case. I could definitely see someone his age like being motivated by a group like that and that that being one of the stepping stone groups locally regionally whatever it's weird because like with the exception of like you know obviously the power violence stuff yeah west coast hardcore seems to always go for a little bit more of a melodic kind of bend like i remember going to see afi on the west coast and kids were moshing like they would have on the east coast for like Snapcase, and <laughs> you know like even like thinking back to like unit you know, like uniform choice Yep. And, you know, there's always this, like, kind of, like, melody. Even Chain has, like, this almost anti-melody melody. Yeah, the only the only one that's, like, kind of the, the thing to that is, uh, like, something like Brotherhood. But, yeah. Yeah, but I guess Seattle, I mean, sorry, I should say California. Yeah, fair enough, yeah. I um, get what you mean. You know, yeah. like, where, like, Bad Religion was a hardcore band. Yeah. Um, they were a hardcore band everywhere, I should say. But, like, you know, in well into their more popular era. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. Yeah, it's like I don't know. I think it's time and place for some of this stuff, and that's why it's just funny hearing him talk about like a window of time, like that. I just weirdly happened to be again. I didn't live there, but I toured in that era mm-hmm. and saw some of those groups, and yeah, like I can verify it was certainly like that, rather than what you'd expect of like a stadium rock group that liked you know, Guns N' Roses or something, like, like three or four years later. Yeah. So that's what I mean. But, um, like, sort of actually, the, the an easy example, too, would be, you know, like someone in our neck of the woods, like, who, or coming to our neck of the woods, that, say, saw No Warning in, like, whatever, 2000, I don't know when they actually kind of broke and came out, but, like, say, like, I don't know, four years after Ill Blood, you know, as opposed mm-hmm. to seeing them just before Ill Blood. You know, as a, it was a very different thing you know what i mean yeah like I, i'm trying to think in toronto do they have bum out shows before they broke up the first time 
I don't really think. Not that I really recall. I'm not even. That's not how I, I would frame it. I just think it was different. Yeah. But I think because I think they didn't really. I mean, again, I could be proven wrong. I don't remember a lot, like factually, like in terms of exactly what show, what year, blah blah. But like, I don't remember them playing a lot in the yeah, on, on like Suffer or on uh, whatever, like even Surplus Sons or. Stuff like that. Surplus I don't remember. Sons, I remember playing quite a bit. Like not quite a bit, I but I remember know. them playing. Whereas, like, no warning for a time period. I remember they came through with the SNFU. Yeah, I wasn't home for that, but yeah, I remember that. Uh, I remember who else they came through with. Um, but yeah, like they, yeah, right. They I don't think they played very often. But you're you, you know be exactly the same sort of thing. Yeah, it's a different. I mean, and like again, uh, by no means am I making that comparison. Either, cause like, I mean, you and I. At least, uh, you know, I think we're in accord here. Like, I hold that <laughs> original era of no warning very, very high. And that's, you know, not to throw any shade at any of the groups. But, like, I just mean it's just one of those scenarios of seeing a group that people regionally have this, uh, I don't know, leg up on having seen in these special times. Mm-hmm. And perhaps you see them a bit later and say you're out of the region. And then you catch them and you're, you're maybe not quite catching the same animal that existed you know, whatever, some years earlier or even sometimes a year earlier, whatever. That's all I mean. I'm trying to think, like, one of the best No Warning shows I saw would be, like, April 6th, definitely. Um, and There's a lot. I mean, they were all good for a window. I can't even uh, remember. April 6th, yeah, I guess April 6th, the Cathedral show. What was the April 6th one? That's where cathed- uh, Fucked Up at the Transac. Okay, yeah, yeah. I think it was April sixth, right? Like it was like talking the break the, the breakout. Yeah, I missed that. The one. The Teal okay, breakout yeah. show. Yeah. And then they did. Uh, they had a show at the cathedral where they ended with "Fight for Your Right to Party." Yeah, that was incredible. I was there. And that then, was incredible. Yeah, and then they had the the surprise mental set where they jumped on. Yeah, that was big. That was another one I was thinking of. That, that was, was weird because awesome. they didn't. I don't think they even really played a full set. I think they only played like no. four songs. Well, you know what happened, right? Like they were okay. So like they were all that show, and I was like watching them with uh, Josh Voinovich because he was going to be my roommate. <laughs> yep. For people from friend from, from, friend from, of mine, yes, as well. Yeah. Yeah. He's also like a you know like a a, a music uh, aficionado, been involved he's and a, stuff. Puts he's on a great show. man. Yes. He puts Love on him. shows, right? From my neck of the woods, he d- he did he used to put on punk shows way back, and uh, he does some kind of uh, shows now. I don't know exactly what. Super minimal yeah. synth stuff now, I guess. But anyway, yeah, great guy. At the time, he was uh, into some fairly dumb hardcore. That's coming from a person that was also into some fairly dumb hardcore. <laughs> yes, we all are. Yeah, yeah. and so we were uh, hanging out that show, uh, and all the no warning guys were there. So I was hanging out with the no warning guys too, and then he had to give me money for first and last for rent for the apartment. <laughs> yeah. So all of a sudden the no warning guys just like disappeared and I'm like, okay, well let's go to the bank. And so we went to the bank, the TD bank for him to give me the money. And we walked by Lee's palace and I'm like, and we hear this band playing and like this shows that this club, the Transac, for those of you not from Toronto, it's like around the corner from Lee's palace, basically. Yeah. It's like a block, a almost, block. Yeah. So we're like, and I'm like, that sounds like fucking no warning. And then he's like, yeah. And so we go inside Lee's Palace and no warnings playing to a room full of industry people. That's like, right. It was some weird showcase. I remember that. Yeah, a weird showcase. They played a bunch of uh, songs that, I don't think they would suffer survive songs. I think it were, they were songs from like another demo from that kind of crossover period. 
And then yeah. they went down the street and jumped on the Transact show and played some Transact, uh, some songs of the Transact. Yeah, and it was it was next level. That I didn't see the industry one like you were talking about, but I I was at that Transact show and um, Transact the show smoked the industry one. Yeah, the show. <laughs> no, obviously, yeah. yeah. But the uh, the show for the Transact one was amazing. Anyway, it was like the bill was great. Oh, but, the bill uh, was crazy. It was. Yeah, for Not them to hop on, measures. that's like prime era mental too. So it was like them hopping on after, or whatever during. I can't remember if mental then played still or they ended the show. I think I they remember. ended the show. I think mental but, was just like we're done. Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, but anyway, it was it was a special little like those kind of moments were special. Yeah, that was a big one for me. Even though it wasn't a full set, it was huge. Also, when they jumped on uh, at that fucked up uh, weekend show that we did in Brampton, or Burlington. Burlington. So they got up and did Violent Minds. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. Uh-huh. I think they did some No Warning that stuff was... after that. That was like into the Suffer Survive era. That was at the 4Mac in Burlington, yep. Yeah. And you guys dressed up like Poison Idea. Yeah, we did a Poison Idea cover set. Yeah, you did the intro to po- the to Feel the Darkness. Yeah. Into, we did, did like did four whole... songs. That's right. But I remember definitely remember you did the whole intro and everything, yeah. And then we did uh, No Warning covers. And then <laughs> yeah. uh, Righteous Jams played. Yeah, correct. And Shark Attack. Oh, and Shark Attack played that too. Wall, yeah. And Brain Handle. And Brain Handle. God and, damn it. We were good at booking shows. And Mind Eraser. Yeah. And fucking Mind Eraser. Yeah, I have that. I'm looking at the f- the the poster right now. It was Saturday, October 29th of I don't know what year, but yeah. Anyway, we're reminiscing now. We're off topic of the subject we are way of the off show. Topic. We are way way <laughs> off topic. It's uh, a straight friendship hour now. Yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, uh, also, he brought up uh, he brought up some great Japanese hardcore stories too. That I, yeah. of course, you know that band Clown. Is one of the most interesting bands uh, right now. A band that probably won't be coming over to North America anytime soon. Yes, and I kept the only thing I know about that group is the only thing you've told me. So I have nothing to add on this other than what you said. And all pretty much all I know about is from what I've heard. Kind of tell of them. Uh, I missed them every single time I was in Japan by like a day or so. Oh, bummer! I mean, like the two times I was in Japan this summer. Yeah. Um, So I still have yet to see them. Once again, I love talking about wrestlers, so we talk a lot about wrestling, which I'm sure for Chris was not as exciting. <laughs> no comment. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, but we also talked about another subject that's a favorite of Chris and mine, which is Juggalos. Oh boy, yeah, yeah. It was funny hearing you guys talk about. It, to be fair, I, I want to. <laughs> one thing I want to bring up in relation to what you're saying. Because I like your theory in in a wild, sensational <laughs> Damien theory uh, history that you have, but human the idea that human furnace possibly influenced all juggalos <laughs> is probably one of the wildest theories I've ever heard you say. Well, um, let me add a little fuel to the fire. Okay, okay. Since this episode, I've been talking to Kevin Gill, who will be coming on a future episode, who was mentioned in this, <laughs> who's the hardcore yeah. juggalo connection. And yep. he mentioned how when the first time he hung out with Violent J, he talked to Violent J about, you know, hardcore. So he got mentioned hardcore. And he goes, oh, like cold as life? <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, you know, 
Stoke those fires, Chris. Human furnace. Stoke that furnace, I should say. That human furnace. <laughs> what I was going to say to you is you were talking about how he possibly influenced that. And in theory, I, I think it's a very big stretch, of course. But I, the human furnace thing for me is definitely like a, uh, what you're talking about with the paint, is definitely like, like a, um, why is his name escaping me right now? Like a King Diamond, Alice Cooper, uh, whatever, homage. Yeah. And to suggest that perhaps that influenced them, you know, I still think it's a stretch, but okay, I can entertain that idea. I still think it's not true. <laughs> but, um, and, I, and therefore the association doesn't work for me. But yeah, um, I don't know. I, 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 I don't know if we've unearthed. I recall someone showing me on tour once a flyer, which I believe we've discussed on this show, where I could have sworn that ICP and Cold as Life played a gig together. Yes, at I least, think I've seen that flyer. I've seen that flyer. So, of course, there's some kind of, mind you, clearly regional uh, association. But I still think your your fantasy of like uniting the Juggalos with like the hardcore punk world, Chris. I only the, need I only need a little bit to make this work. You of know? course, I only need him to have walked do. into a club one time and been like, "Oh shit, that looks cool." <coughs> Which I'm not saying happened, to... but if it did yeah. happen, it would be a mind blowing thing to find out. Well. When you interview the Human Furnace, this will be a great topic you can bring up. <laughs> and I'm curious if uh, what his thoughts will be on you thinking that he completely influenced <laughs> the world of Juggalos. It's not his fault. Like, you know, you can't be responsible for what you influence. Of course. Yeah, I get what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, there's been plenty of great artists have influenced not so great art in their wake, you know? Sure. Like, Think about all the crappy songs like an amazing jam like Homies inspired from other not-so-good <laughs> artists. And whereas Homies is a classic. No, definitely not. Yeah. But uh, yes, it is. I love that you always throw that in, though. <laughs> it's but, it's uh, a classic. <laughs> I, don't even, I don't even know what to say. I've said no to this so many times in the show. I feel like you could cut a tape together. But, Homies uh, makes me wish I had a convertible so I could just play it. And just like roll around, and it makes me wish I had hair to get myself frosted tips. <laughs> well, I'm glad. I'm glad you uh, you are so amped on it. Again, I can't wait. I I have no doubt though you will one day encounter one or both of them, and that encounter is going to be an epic Damien conversation. Oh gosh, yeah. There's stuff I want to talk to both of them about so badly well the world of wrestling alone you're gonna it'll happen i have no i have not even an, an ounce of doubt in my mind that that will happen but I, uh there's hope chris there's hope but yeah i i don't i uh my position on the show on this is that i cannot acknowledge your theory on the world of punk and juggalos colliding at this point that's well, my uh, official position we've had we've had friends of the insane clown posse on the show so we are close but if I can do a turn at a punk with Insane Clown Posse, my God, I might send the podcast. <laughs> yeah, sure. You know? Or, like, yeah. there's, like, there's certain things that, like, you know, I would love to do with this thing. Like, you know, like, sit down with uh, Josh Brolin 
and, you know, finally yep. hash that out. But I don't know. I think that might be topped by sitting down with Insane Clown Posse and getting to the bottom of the human furnace influence on their face paint, getting <laughs> to the bottom of the coldest life show, get to the bottom of probably some killer negative approach stories they have. I think you're going to get a little bit out of the Cole's life stories, maybe, but I don't know about anything else. Well, we'll, see for, we'll see. We'll Truthfully. see. Truthfully. We'll see. Wait for that. Turn out a punk ICP episode <laughs> coming soon. <laughs> I, I do genuinely hope it happens, I will say. Like, I'm not... I, I do think it would be entertaining and, and informative, for sure. Oh, I just yeah. don't know how much of your dreams are going to, you know, come crashing down when you realize that perhaps it's nothing... Nothing more than a you know a local gig that was shared once. Uh, yeah. Well, even if it was just that one local gig that was shared, <laughs> you know, I'm sure there's like some crazy ass story for the backstage. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I'll give you that. Absolutely. Uh, uh, I you uh, sorry, you got the next point. Okay. So, um, one of the other things I thought was funny in uh, the discussion you had was groups that are ruined for you because of people or associations that you think like there's a bit of a topic with mm-hmm. that. I can't remember mm-hmm. what group he's thinking of. He's talking about but, it in relation to Pantera and Slayer and because there the, we go. Yeah, the yeah. white power kids uh, yeah. that he hated were into those bands. He could never like them. Yes. And I think uh, one, I just like to acknowledge that um, as a fan of both of those groups, uh, Oh, sorry, up to a point Pantera um, Slayer. I'm pretty good with across the board, but um, the, yeah, th- that's definitely accurate. Like for him being about our age, he's a bit younger, but I can verify that. Yeah. There was definitely a point when like certainly the archetype of a Pantera fan became like unbearable. Um, so I related with him saying that, uh, having said that, I thought it was in- interesting that those were the two specific groups. Of course, based on what he's saying, it makes complete sense how that would be, uh, whatever, like frustrating, but, um, and also neither one of those groups I think would be uh, two groups I would align myself with politically on a political spectrum. <laughs> no, <of laughs> you know, just from sure. things that certain members sure. say yes. from both bands. Yes, um, I get, yeah, like we're not even talking nuance at this point. It's yeah, just like... Rest in peace Dimebag you know, still, like, you know, no disrespect at all. Yeah, yeah, but Other exactly. members have but said some like, pretty yeah. wild shit over the years. Yes, and the fan bases of these groups, like, are not, it's not a stretch to say that they're fairly unbearable. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Not even fairly, outright. <laughs> so, um, but uh, I was trying to think, like, do you have any similar, um, like, groups that have been like that for you or were like that? I think you mentioned The Pistols like, early on were definitely oh, a yeah, yeah, group yeah. like yeah. that. I remember seeing the, like, wax figure of them in uh, an exhibit at uh, the Rock and Roll Experience or something in London, England, and they had swastikas yeah. on and they were jumping. And I remember asking my dad, like, what is this? This isn't cool. And he kind of explained yeah. it like, no, they're just like, you know, playing with it and, and trying to provoke people using it. Like they don't actually believe in it. And yeah, yeah. you know, now I realize, like, yeah, my dad was kind of explaining to me, you know, obviously it's a little more complicated than that. <laughs> yeah. Yes, of course. Uh, but he definitely explained it in a way that I could understand as a kid, but still like, that was a group that I was until I, really sat down and started listening to it a little bit older, I was like, oh, I want nothing to do with this. What, is there any others you can think of? Trying to think. Uh, I've got a couple, but they're pretty Oh, Integrity, early on. 
Really? Why that one? Uh, I just didn't like how everyone was obsessed with them at that oh, point, and it okay. wasn't until I sat down and was like, oh, fuck, they're probably the best band of all time. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm trying to think of some other ones that I was just like... For me, it was like kind of ones that I think people listen to the show, and certainly you are not going to be surprised by, but Misfits were the one for me for ages. Mm-hmm. But not really anything political other than just like the people I knew that tended to like that were always just kind of dicks or assholes or whatever. And so they always rubbed me the wrong way, even though I could never deny that some of the music is definitely decent, but like I just couldn't get into it. And the other one was The Exploited, because for whatever reason, early on, I'm talking like when I was young, this mm-hmm. is when I was still like interested in metal and kind of just new stuff by like T-shirt logo kind of looking things. I didn't know their music really, and there was like a kind of local, not quite what he's discussing, like the white power thing or whatever, but there was definitely like, you know, kind of sketchy young skinhead types that were like weird that always repped that kind of stuff. So my association with that group like early on was not good. And then it took me some time to like kind of like break that whatever association in my head and then actually kind of, you know, give those records a chance, of which of course they're great. But um, yeah, those were the two that jumped out at me. I just thought it was a funny thing of like kind of bands being ruined for you and then you realizing like, well, hold on, wait, maybe I'm <laughs> not... You know, whatever, whatever you want to say. It's, it, well, it's even weirder when you kind of like, you know, get through it and realize, like, even as you're older, like, oh no, they they kind of were. The band was a little yep. dodgy, like you know, like listen to Jello talk about the exploited. Yeah, ex- of course. I still think I yeah, that one's a difficult one because I don't. I see what he's saying. I still think it's a little unfair to 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 completely call them, you know, something that. I feel I, I don't know if his I agree entirely with his accusations what I'm trying to say. But I do yeah, I get what you mean there. Like what you were discussing in the first two we brought up. <laughs> yeah. But uh but yeah, it's it's funny how especially in your formative years that can be like a big a big thing. Um and for me, like again, another example probably was and I don't obviously feel this way because I really like the early records, but um, Deglo was one for me that I couldn't mm-hmm. get around for mm-hmm. a minute because of the association in the era of like, you know, like sort of the prominent propaganda era is what I would say. Mm-hmm. You know, that the kind of stuff that they were like provoking was really not, you know, I was really not down with. And uh, now, of course, I see it in a different light, although I don't really I'm not a big fan of the era of that group, to be fair. Yeah, um, it's, so, but, it's so hard to get behind any lyrics uh, from that band at any era. <laughs> that's like, true. Like, that's that is true. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's not like I'm going back to the the first album and being like, no, they, they, they've got some good. They've got some good points on some of these things. <laughs> no, some really that, sketchy yeah. ass songs in that first LP. Yes, but I just mean to say that, you know, like I just aside from that, you know, the records, the early records, I do enjoy. I don't think the era of which I am discussing was entirely representative of what that group was initially not mm-hmm. to say they weren't mm-hmm. always kind of provoking in that sort of punk sensationalistic way but um or, or whatever classic punk sensationalistic way however you want to phrase it i would say forgotten but, rebels too if we're talking like that style of band and i'm like bands yeah with eras that you you know and then like <clears throat> bands with lyrics that obviously now i understand you know doesn't take away the fact that they're super offensive and i can see why people will not be able to get past that yeah, but at the same time, like I can see that they were, you know, they weren't intending these as 
to be taken at face value. Yeah, there was satire, of course. Yeah, yeah. they're probably the best example of that, actually, because mm-hmm. uh, I liked that group very, very early on. Well, not of course they're much <laughs> older than I am, but when I first heard them, I liked them. Then, of course, I like, you know, you get a bit of a conscience, and then I thought, oh, well, this is a little whatever. And then I again, I also like you had to eventually reckon with the idea, like, oh yeah, this isn't like you know, this is like you know, taking a shot at this more than like, but again, <laughs> their fans, uh, yeah. Yeah. Their fans didn't always get it. No, exactly. Of this, of the eras we're talking about, these are very specific regional things that we're kind of hashing out. Here, yeah. But, but I yeah. think these things played out oh, everywhere, <coughs> you know, like Agreed, yeah. at that time period, I think this was something that, you know, seemed like it was, it was kind of everywhere that people were dealing with this, with these bands and, fan bases that that you know you know you had the nazis that would show up at shows no agreed yeah and it wasn't as big a problem as the generations before you and i but no well especially where we are because we had the bfgs yeah yeah true and as you've heard you can once again listeners if you haven't (laughs) go back and listen to you can hear the story of how the bfgs beat nazis across canada over the course (laughs) of a couple episodes if you listen to the propaganda episode um, yeah, there's a couple episodes where they kind of talk about, you know, the Jordan one big time and, and Chris it's discussed in the Jordan one too. Yeah. Yeah. And Chris has that moment where he's <laughs> that show when the BFGs played and it was just like, oh yeah, we can fight these Nazis. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's a, a pretty good, it's pretty cool. Pretty, pretty yep. uh, cool moment, um, of kids standing up. Uh, but anyway, anyway, um, yeah, we didn't really have to deal with it in the same sort of way, I think, as other cities had to deal with it. But that's still, you know, there's still, like, shows, like that Misfit show when all those Nazis showed up and beat all those kids up and stabbed someone or something, and, you know. Yeah, I think, I think it was more of, obviously, like, it's still arguably an issue, of course, but, Mm -hmm. um, that era was, seemed a little, people seemed to be a little more susceptible to tolerating aspects of it i think now like well certainly people don't tolerate it obviously but like the um i don't know there's something i i don't see like talking about better now than then that is one thing (laughs) uh for me unequivocally but and it's not to say it's gone but uh it's certainly not to any degree that i've experienced since the early 90s Mm -hmm. so which is a benefit of course <clears throat> Excuse me. I don't know what we were discussing on the back of the disliking bands for their for their fan bases idea, but um, yeah. Anyway, I thought it was interesting though him discussing that, and I think it's interesting that a guy that likes you know aggressive music so much dislikes Pantera and Slayer. Yeah, like I think he now that, respects yeah. them as like an adult looking at it, but I think yeah. you know once again it's the association, and there's something you know like you can't. You know, there's some things you can't get past. Yeah, agreed. Um, and, yeah, that's, you know, a, a, a pretty uh, reasonable one to not be able to get past. And, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And as I said, both bands have members that have said some pretty horrendous things that, you know, <laughs> might have been like dog whistles to these <laughs> types of kids. <laughs> Perhaps, yes. Uh, but I guess, uh, is there anything else you want to get to from this episode? I can't think that's the only notes I had were the ones other than you kind of, you know, earlier before we recorded, we discussed the, uh, 
your rev over victory thing, which of course. Oh yes, the controversy. We've, yes, we've, this has yeah. become a major controversy. Um, <clears throat> I kind of would <laughs> like to amend my original thing because I know my. <laughs> you know, I'm just saying like victory until the year 2000. You know, because then I yeah. can have hate breed and I can have all those integrity records in there. Uh, yes, I have to put in Baby Goffle and the High Find the Roadburner stuff. <laughs> yeah. But like Rev had some pretty lean years in there. Yeah. And then like once Bob Shedd comes in and kickstart the Rev re- Renaissance and you have yeah. all those great bands signing a revelation and that continues to this day. Um, and, you know, like over on the other side, things went pretty downhill at victory <laughs> you know there's a couple of moments there where they put out some cool stuff but like you know so i would say like i'm just saying like up until the year 2000 <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm saying you know <laughs> i think that's even victory. too many years to be honest with you think oh well it's i don't know maybe See, that, not, that's but... how that's how that's how victory wins in the in in the 90s the late 90s <laughs> By your estimation, sure. Um, Wait, who are you? What, Will Haven? Oh, I'll, no, no. Like, I'll take Capri over Will Haven. Oh, no, for sure. Same. Absolutely. Um, I'm just looking at up to 2000. What? Kiss what Goodbye. Gets in there? I would definitely say Kiss Goodbye is there. <clears throat> well, you're on Rev. I'm looking at <laughs> Victory first here to see, you know, to be blunt about it, to see how much I don't approve of gets in under the radar there. Uh, Some good shit, though. Uh, yeah, there, yeah. It's not as bad as I remember. No, it's pretty awesome. Up to two thousand, I thought it was bad. I, yeah, it got really dark after that. Yeah, it gets really, it gets really bad at a certain point. Um, yeah, so I guess yeah, you're not bad. You're pretty well. Yeah, there's still, you know, again, of course, in hindsight, especially, there's a lot I don't like on this, but um, yeah, re- like. We when we were discussing this before, it was very much the early catalog, so that was the debate was very clear. Yeah. But yeah, if you're going to extend the the you know a wider net, then yeah, it's going to be more of a close discussion. But I still think that early rest is so strong that it's hard to not take it. But um, yeah, awake featuring the sick of it all's manager is the first thing on the victory catalog, um, pre victory records, but the first thing on the catalog. Inner Strength, Integrity, Billingsgate, you know, Insight, the very, the amazing Only the Strong comp. It's true. That is great. Yeah. But, again, the amazing Only the Strong comp is not better than your comp. No, not better. <laughs> but no. it's pretty you, You're saying it. You can just end your sentence right there. No, not better, period. But, yes. No, I don't know. I'm going to say almost like... I don't know. There's some pretty hard songs on this. <laughs> it's like a pretty cool comp. It's yeah. great, but you are, you have the two comps. You have together, and you have the way it is. And both. That's not better than either. No, it's not better than the way it is comp. But I don't know. I'm trying to look. Let me get the together track list down and do a side by side comparison. <laughs> <laughs> Where here's what we should discuss: both labels from say like '95 up. Who has the better catalog? That's a tough one. Uh, I was going victory, but like once again, not to like if we're going to the present day, 100 percent revelation. But that's like no, of course, Bob Shed kind of coming in, 
and <clears throat> kickstarting like you know signing hardcore bands again and like kind of like you know obviously rev kind of people other people getting at revelation afterwards and and continuing that trend and why yep. are there there's some weird like it's this is very strange i'm looking up um the rev thing and i'm looking in like the late 90s and it's got like converge records in here I'm like why does it have converge what? yeah it has like when forever comes crashing and from 98 but it's clearly an equal vision record i don't know why it's throwing maybe it they're doing there. distribution for equal vision at that point could be and that's, how just, like, it's, that's how it's on the cog somehow yeah, I'm just like, why is that on there? Or like, this is weird. Because even like, I'm like, they put out an Ink and Dagger record? I'm like, no, they didn't. No. And no, they did. They actually did put out a 7-inch. Oh, okay. For the experiments in Nocturnal Sound and Energy in 98. I forgot about that. Yeah, I totally forgot huh. about that too. I'm not an Elliot fan. so I, No, me, me either. No, I agree. So. Although many people are. And many that, people are. I lived through it. I know how many there are. <laughs> yeah, but I don't think that would be like a... No, it's know. not the same. Yeah, and I think like the fact that we have Satisfaction is the Death of Desire, which we've already established is yeah. you know, probably the most influential, like moment-changing. Even people that hated that record reacted to it in yeah, a way. You know? So it's... Uh, you know, the, the fact that they have that record, I don't think there's anything on Rev that came out during that period that had that kind of impact on worlds of punk and hardcore. No, agreed. Uh, to that level, certainly, either. I do think, though, I think Elliot is a good mention in the sense that it was a big... Mm-hmm. Like, the people that love that group love that group, mm-hmm. but it's not quite the same thing for me. It's certainly not punk, I'll say that much. Um yeah, and like, and also, like, let's be, you know, uh, are you are you including the year nineteen ninety five for a victory? Well, I'm just thinking ninety five four. What's okay, ninety five though? Because ninety five, you've got, uh, um, you've got uh, the, what the fuck is this? Uh, anyway, you've got the One Life Crew record, right? Lyrics yeah. terrible, but music. <laughs> Uh, you've got All Out War. You've got yeah. the Destroy the Machines came yep. out. You have Integrity Systems Overload. You have yep. Snapcase Steps. Once again, I'm not the biggest Snapcase fan in the world, but like pretty important record. Uh, yeah, I'm not, that one doesn't get included for me. All due respect. Just... Uh, well, you know, but I still think you can you can definitely see. That that record had an impact. No, no, yeah. Everyone I talk to is into that record that likes that band. I, yeah. I've never been a fan of that record. But, um, yeah. And then you have uh, Bloodlet, Dead Guy, Fixation on the Coworker. Yeah, that's and a the big Integrity 10-inch. Yeah. You know, all in 1995. Mm-hmm. No, I think I might be on board with the 95 up argument. Well, not to present, <clears throat> but 95 to like 2000. Yeah, 2000. That's when I'm like, I, you could even cut it off beforehand, but I just picked 2000 as a round number. Cause then Chris, like 96, you've got, and I know for you, this is a big one, Path of Resistance. You've got, yeah, I love it. But for you, you're the one who's for both of us. You're well, now that I sold out, it can't, it can't have as much. <laughs> yes. But what I, I mean know. to say is like, if it was a Path of Resistance record, but it's about all the friends getting together about smoking cannabis. <laughs> now I would be really into it. And like on the back cover, it's just like a bunch of people. 
Like with balaclavas on and like, like right, bandanas, yeah. but with like bongs. AKA all oh, that. Yeah. <laughs> what I was going to say is um, for the listener, why I say what I say, which is a funny little friendship anecdote here, is that I scored an original copy of this record off of a bandmate of Damien's. And he <laughs> aggressively, pretty much for me scoring it, the second I scored it, aggressively <laughs> traded for me to get it immediately. That's why it was like you saying, I love it. You you actually basically pried it out of my hands at one time. <laughs> yeah, I, I was yeah, definitely, when I wanted a record, there was a certain relentlessness to it me. Yes. But yeah, no, no, it was definitely fun, one of the best yeah. records of all time, but I cannot enjoy it in the same way. I should probably you know, trade it back to you now because <laughs> you either way you will enjoy it now on a level that I can't understand it. I have it. I got, I, I ended up getting another original copy of it. Yeah. I'm oh, good. okay. Well then, uh, there you go. Uh, Warzone. Another uh, one, another one we're forgetting. This is a big one for me. Cause this record is amazing. In cold blood, hell on earth from 98. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm going, I'm saying that's a killer record too. Yeah. There's also the refused record, you know, like yeah, the one before. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. There's, there's some like real big stuff on this label, like. No, you're you've yeah you've got me on the '95 up argument. Well, yeah. whatever, 2000, whatever. Yeah, like you, and you know, like, like there's what, some bad victory. Like don't get me wrong, like I, objectively, like all due respect, I there's a lot I don't like here, but I like there's a lot I really like. Yeah, yeah. I never. Like even that like the Scarhead record is amazing. The Scarhead <laughs> like, record is fucking incredible. Like it really is. Like and so. The Blood for There's Blood some, stuff is fucking yeah, blood pretty for blood. awesome. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. The even the uh even the like damnation A D seven inch they put out is fucking sick. That's more your thing, but yeah, I uh I can acknowledge that it's uh it's the it, whatever. It's it's like worthy. I wonder what the point is where you're like Like Victory always had weird records though, so it's not like there was like a real point where you're oh, like yeah. oh, what's going on here, guys? You're right. It's about 2000, though. It's like you got 2000. You have, um, um, you have that uh, uh, like a what is it here? I just passed it. That bizarre like shelter like kind of reunion record. Yeah. And then you have like that crazy Earth Crisis like going for it record, but it's af- I think that was after the major label one. Yeah. They did, which was and this one is far worse than the major label one. Um You have a Judge Judge seven inch in nineteen ninety eight. Yeah, which I also didn't realize Victory put out. But then see like two thousand, like they did like <laughs> Cockney Rejects. Oh, like a reissue of the like Cockney Rejects, <laughs> like like what like holy bizarre. Like truly bizarre label. Like, yeah, you got the buried alive though, like up until that point. You got yeah. like up until that point is still like Still pretty good, and then yeah, something happens. Yeah, yeah, it's a wow. Is the Shelter Boys' fire split on the label? Oh, it's a promo tape. <laughs> Apparently, but yeah, your uh, your ninety-five to two thousand argument is very strong, and I'm I, I'm going to side with you on the victory side on that one. Yeah, like I wonder but, where it is that you know you could say that Rev overtakes victory. I mean, victory overtakes Rev. I should say. You know, because, like, I, I now will concede, you know, yes, the first ten are fucking better on Revelation than they are on Victory. <laughs> but, yep. you know, the Victory first ten aren't, like, it's not like they're a terrible label in the beginning. Like, they've oh, got yeah. some pretty strong releases right out of the gate. Yep. But there must be a point where, 
there's a switch where you can be like, okay, Rev Rev can't catch up. And is it that 1995 year? or No, it ha- must no, happen it's, sooner. It's probably a little earlier, but it's 90, because I'm looking where I start to fall off. Is around 92, 3 ish. There's a yeah. few little things, but it, for me, it, I, that's where I start to kind of come out. Although, eh, no, because they, well, the Civ record came out on a major label. It also came out on their label on vinyl, I guess. But yeah, so I don't know. They got the odd one. Yeah, it's, it's not like a terrible label. Like they had Kissing no, Goodbye, no. you know. Like it yeah, was never yeah. like yeah. a terrible label, but no, like yeah. they did have yeah, like the the period where they weren't signing, you know, the 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 amazing bands they were signing early on, and the bands they've been signing in the last sort of decade plus two decades. Yeah, again, like for me, it's just sonically I wasn't as into it. It's not to say that you know, for me, I just don't think it's sonically in like the early whatever what the label was known for so that was more my kind of gripe or whatever you want to say but Mm -hmm. um and that's why i like the kind of the the sort of knucklehead era of the victory stuff to a degree Mm -hmm. yeah uh, i think it might happen in 1991 92 because they don't really they put a one they put a nice burn seven it's the only thing they put out in 1991 so does not happen in 1991 yeah, you're right. Actually, yeah, that's funny. <laughs> it's like one, one yep. release. It's like, yeah, this is all the world needs from us this year. <laughs> uh, it's a good single, though. I'm not, I'm not just talking the single, but. Yeah. Well, the joke here would be that it probably took the whole year to listen to the one song on that seven inch <laughs> because it's probably 365 days long. Maybe. Yeah, exactly. They put out, they went in deep, but I guess 1993. Would be the point. Yeah, around that's there. Earth exactly. Crisis, Firestorm, Snapcase, Looking Glass, Self. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, only the strong. Only the strong. Uh, Warzone Live. Yeah. It actually is. It's '93 because they both start with Warzone. Yeah. <laughs> like basically, it's like oh, it's '93. Okay, does Warzone start this off again? Yep. Here we yep. go. Warzone. Warzone made the jump. Warzone was like the the uh, Warzone could tell which way the wind was blowing. <laughs> like, yeah, they true. had been on a major label and they had done some weird stuff. <laughs> they, yeah. they were like, at this point, they were like, okay, we're back and we're not going to go back to Rev. <laughs> There's these new guys in town and that's where we're going to take this party. Yep. Yeah, yeah, so it's around 93. I think you got a good argument. Rev, beginning to 93, and then 93 to 2000 ish, I would say, is victory territory in that debate of them versus one another. And then it's some, I don't know when it then flips back, but yeah. It's kind of like wrestling with WCW versus WWE. <laughs> WWE I, after the time, you know, it's like, fitting that analogy. It actually really is. I do it, like it overtakes it for a little bit, but then ultimately like Rev yeah. comes back and, 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 you know, crushes it with it, its relevancy compared to some of victory's weirdness. Well, yeah, and I think it just became, they became very, very different things, ultimately. Like, you know, they were just signing, well, they were signing different kind of bands, but they were also signing bands, like, of the era. One of them was really kind of seemingly going for, like, a really, really big commercial, um, whatever you want to say, like, like reaching, trying to reach that commercial thing. I don't know if, I mean, I'm sure every record label tries to a degree, but, like, you know, there's nothing... 
I don't know. Like I just remember to, again back to touring in the early two thousands, adjacent to some of these the the records like the bands that Victory were putting out. It was like insane. Some of the groups that I was like seeing them put out that would explode, mm-hmm. and it was just stuff that was just nothing like the era we're discussing here. Yeah, like, like of course even the era, with the era, yeah, sorry. No, I was just going to say the, the like the era that we're saying they become irrelevant is when they become massively successful. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the irony. To people like you and I, yeah, that's the case. Mm-hmm. But it's, yeah, and it's, I don't know, I commercially or whatever, you know, who's to say who's wrong here, but I, I just, I didn't vibe with any of that stuff personally. But, um, and they always put out, they always did take shots on stuff and they always had like weird releases, but um, I don't know, it got very weird. <laughs> Probably about like 2000 up, like it just started getting crazy. Yeah. Like, there's this, like, new label they have, I guess, and uh, it's like a, uh, it's like a pop-punk label. It's called Mutant League. Oh, I don't even know. Okay. And uh, there's, like, I don't know, it's really weird. There's, like, 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 it's just, like, Homegrown's on it. I wonder if it's the same Homegrown, like the California pop-punk band. I don't know, maybe. In a band called Crywank. <laughs> okay. And, and Movie Life is on there, too. Oh, and it's like they've got all these sub-labels. Huh. Another Victory, Inc. They put it a day to remember. Yeah, I don't oh, know. That's their publishing I... arm. Sorry. <laughs> I think we're winding down on this topic now. I think we've... Yeah, I think we are. I think, I think you can hear the air <laughs> leaving the balloon right now. Yeah. With this one. But that was a hot topic for a while. Yep, pun intended. Pun All right. totally intended when you talk about victory. <laughs> uh, I guess that's it. Should, that, is that, should we want to get to any Kevin Drew stuff? or I don't know. I think we should wrap because I think we, we've mined that enough. But if you want it, I don't know. If no, you we'll want see. to talk about some, sure. No, we'll see. You can save it for another day because I, I feel he didn't really get a footnotes. No, like, I mean, sort of... we can certainly. Yeah. And actually, nor did Freddie Alva, too, for that matter. But we kind of talked about that a little bit. Like, there was some, I'm yeah. sure, other stuff we could get to for both those episodes. But, Chris, this is a long one. Yeah. So we should we should probably let people uh, move <laughs> yeah. on with their lives and stop yeah, worrying exactly. about victory versus revelation. <laughs> yes. <laughs> totally. Um, well, everyone, thank you for joining us in the protective bubble where things like victory or rev becomes important that we like to call turn it a punk footnotes. Uh, yeah. We please... just figured it out though. Was that, we did figure we it out. We did figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. We did. I think that's the thing is like, we've now finally, we've put that one to bed. I think so. Personally. I think so. Like, like no one, well, now that I said that, someone's going to come with an email, but like, I really, <laughs> I, I will accept arguments. Like both Chris and I, I think we'll accept arguments, but like, you know, as assured as we are that Off the Disc is the greatest hardcore record label of all time, <laughs> we are assured that we have now cracked the Rev Victory <laughs> debate. I have no comment on that, but it's amusing. Dude, go, well, next time we get on the show, we'll go through the Discogs of that. That is an incredible catalog. Yes, of course. Infest. Yeah. Dude, it's not even like Infest, Sleep, uh, Morbid Angel. Yeah, uh, like it's, it's it's those last two aren't hardcore bands or punk bands, but go but, on. But like the fact that he connects them to hardcore and punk. Yes, yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Like the, the fact that they've got that root there, you know, 
Anyway, yep. we can get onto this next, next. This is a topic for another day. <laughs> uh, next week on the show, we've got a, an amazing episode. There's going to be a lot of fun stuff to talk about. Uh, it's one of my favorite bands, a band that I don't know, uh, Chris, n- you know, not as not a big an impact on your life as they had on mine. No. Uh, yeah. But I think they had a big impact on a lot of other people's lives. And that is Blake from Jawbreaker will be on the show next week. And, uh, you know, Chris, even if you're not the biggest Jawbreaker fan, I think you, I, I don't think, I know you're a fan of some of the stuff he talks about, of all the stuff. Oh, he talks sure. About. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like, I'm not saying it to be like a cool guy that's like, you know, making a point to say I'm not a fan of the group. I just, I've never, I've never been that guy. So it's just, I, it's, it's like a, uh, it just never hit me. Yeah, and it's I not to it. say I think they're. I don't feel. I don't feel they're a bad band. I just never, never got into it. I get it, but you're going to get into it next week, buddy. All oh, right. Oh, you better believe it. Um, <laughs> that is next week on the show. Uh, how do they get in touch with us here, Chris? If they want to send us an email, uh, they can reach us at turnedoutapunkfootnotes at gmail dot com, and I welcome your bizarre theories on Rev versus Victory. Um, and you can find me on various forms of social media <clears throat> at Left for Damien. I too welcome your uh, bizarre theories about Rev versus Victory <laughs> and any other things you want to talk about of that nature. I've had a pretty active timeline the last couple of days. In, in, thanks to the Freddy <laughs> King episode. I'm going to say this is the most controversial episode we've ever had. Um, you think? I don't think so. Well, just because of this thing. Oh, yeah, okay. Well. You know, this is the, this is the hot debate this week on my timeline. Um, okay, gotcha, yeah. So, and I think that's, that's it. Uh, yeah. Uh, and if you want to follow Chris on social media, you can follow him at, at mind your own damn business. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, uh, if you would like to send us a message at Facebook, my brother, Tristan Abraham, show producer, runs yes. a Facebook page, send him messages. He's been killing it with guest booking lately. Yes. Um, <clears throat> you can imagine that Brody King was one of my bookings, but. He's he's got a lot of people and more keep coming and uh, yeah it's gonna it, Chris knows Chris knows what's coming up. I know how important uh, your brother is to this operation and I think he's a lovely human being. So yes, props always. Yeah, and so we've got Blake next week, um, and then we've got a couple that I think are going to uh, you know be kind of surprises for people. Yeah, I think so. So anyway, that's in the near future. Thank you everyone for listening, and we will see you next week. Bye.